that awkward pause when just both wondering, like, are they, is he going to intro? Am I going to intro? Who's going to intro well, this? Well, you know what happens if I intro, so. Oh, well, folks, it's been that lovely time of year where families get together, gifts are given, and for some reason we decided to release 31 videos on Donkey Kong every single day, and we actually did it! <sighs> I can't believe we did it. They said I wouldn't do it. I did it every day. Yeah, not, 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 not to throw any shade, but you don't see Donkey doing anything like that. Like, we did oh, it. Yeah. The true DK December. Look at you, it Donkey. Happens. You did, what, seven videos on Donkey Kong? Okay, that's cute. Tell me, did you do an analytic breakdown on the psychology of Cranky Kong? Do you upload something about Crunch and Diddy Kong Racing specifically? And for some reason, that's the best performing one? <laughs> I have no idea how that happened. It's just, it's, YouTube doesn't know how that happened either. It's just, it's long surpassed any human recollection. It's just got a mind of its own. I get that, but at the same time, that Crunch video just surpassed my old K Rule video in views. <laughs> Well, that settles it. Crunch is now the official mem leader of the Kremlings now. He's K Rule's been what, he, he's, he's most popular. He is relevant in he's 2022. He's got the popular vote. Yeah. Should have made the bet about Crunch. You would have won. <laughs> uh, <sighs> welcome, everyone, to Design Dorks, the podcast where we release videos and talk about them and talk about other things. I am Pyrrhic Kong, and with me, as always, is. The Duke of Dorks. Glad to be here. Sorry this one's a little late, but after that insanity, we both kind of just fell into a coma for a few weeks and had to recuperate. Yeah, I rested. I went to MAGFest. That was great. I should probably tell people next time that I'm going to MAGFest so they can say hi, but, you know. Yeah, it's a bit of a, like, a YouTube tradition, but, like, there's always next time. Yeah, you know, I, I got to detox in a nice environment, and that felt lovely. Excellent, excellent. But yeah. Welcome to the podcast, everyone. I hope you enjoyed the Donkey Kong December with all, like, humility and jokes aside. It was really, really a wonderful project. The most stressed I have been in a very, very long time, but incredibly fulfilling, and I really hope that I'm able to express just a little modicum of why I love Donkey Kong as a series, as a character, as just a universe in general. And just plant little seeds in your brain and go, oh yeah, I'll remember Funny Monkey fondly. I like that weird spider. I hate those other smaller spiders, but in a good way. I don't understand why you're so bad at barrel drop bounce. <laughs> no, no, that, that, I don't know what commenters are saying that, but they're, they're full of it. That level is awful. I, I feel like people mistake difficulty for the level being bad. And it's like, nah, I'm not bad. Oh, okay, it's that's, that's fair. It's, it's like people like, no, nah, the lightning bolt level. I'm like, no, that's one of the best levels. You're just bad. <laughs> At the very least, I have a newfound appreciation for just how good Donkey Kong Jr. math is as a video game. Right? Okay, so let's get into that right now. Absolutely. Like, yeah, that's the biggest thing. Uh, we had a tournament for Donkey Kong Jr. math, and I... Basically, I was watching one of Silvery's streams, and he mentioned offhanded like no donkey kong jr math no that's got some stuff and i went oh bet so i just wanted to do it i had no preconceptions of what donkey kong jr math was or how good it would be as a game i demoed it for about 30 minutes just to make sure that it functioned and wasn't horrible and i was like 
Yeah, I could get some content out of that. And, uh, will you tell me your experience, you being in the tournament? That was, that was, that was the funniest thing I've ever been a part of. Because, <laughs> like, you see that, and obviously it's a math game. You don't expect anything from that, but the sheer just act of, like, competing over the same numbers and symbols and trying to deny your opponent from getting things, it's, it's so funny to get that frustrated and worked up over basic math. Oh, totally. And just when you do something wrong or do something and overshoot and you go, oh, well, where the hell do I go from here? Yeah, I think I coined it as the dartboard approach. I'm just like, you can't really mental math that easily. So you're just like, okay, five times 42, I think this lands in the bow of the right area. That's not actually, that's 210. But like, you know what I mean? Yeah. This is a ballpark where I will probably win. Six times 77. Where does this go? Let's spin the wheel and find out. I will admit, I am a much better commentator than I am a player of Donkey Kong that Junior Mouse. That was so funny. Just, just watching you just do the thug finals and get destroyed and just thinking the entire time, isn't he a math tutor? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> I'm still, I'm still so angry about how that, that last game ended up. I like took like a solid three seconds to like math out. It's like, okay, I'm actually going to do like the multiplication. If I do this, I will easily win. I succeeded. I gloated over it. And then I immediately just started adding a negative number. And just going in the exact opposite direction. I saw it. Just in the playback, I could see your wheels turning, proverbially, just as I was editing in the music for the highlight reel of it. And then just seeing you continue, and as I'm commentating, you realize, like, no, wait, you're right! It, 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 it hurt. That, it, it was just straight up Icarus flew too close to the sun. I was so upset. Okay, I'll, I'll lab out Read the Rabbit games and come back next year stronger. Oh, yeah. 100%. There is no way in hell I don't do something with this game next year. Absolutely. I would be, I'd be furious. <sighs> that guy IGN giving it a 3.5 or whatever the hell. Don't know what he's talking just about. just doesn't have friends. No friends. Exactly. <laughs> oh, my God. Or he's bad at math. Maybe that was a high number. He just didn't realize. Divided it by four instead of two. Oops. <sighs> well, he thought it was better than God hand. So, you know, whatever. Shame. Whew. Well, with that preamble out of the right way, I do. We do have to do one final look at K. Roll Watch. That's right. It's King K. Roll. As a reminder to everyone, this was a wager that I stated that King K. Rule would be relevant in the year 2022. And, well, I have very good reason to say that King K. Rule was relevant in 2022. However, I'll admit, I'm a noble person, I'm a kind person, and I don't want to put Duke through the agony of debasing himself any further than he already has. So thus, I will generously, kindly, and truly concede K. Rule Watch. King K. Rule as far as Design Dorks is concerned, was not relevant in the year 2022. As such, I am preparing my punishment of singing a song from the Donkey Kong Country cartoon. By which I mean I will be singing multiple songs from the Donkey Kong Country cartoon, performed in a medley. I've, I've heard it. I'm so happy to hear I, I can't wait. I was curious if you're going to die with dignity, and you almost did, but you just couldn't help 
I guess Doshin the Giant is relevant right now because there's merchandise for him too, but whatever, whatever. Doshin the Giant is incredibly relevant, but what are you talking about? <laughs> this is the year of Doshin. Doshin sweep all across the nation. But yes, um, please look forward to that. I am taking the time to get my voice into proper shape because I haven't sung anything for anything constructive in about five years. That wasn't just a dumb character voice. And there are no some notes that I would like to actually hit instead of cowarding out. I would also like for the presentation to be cognizant of what Designing 4 has become in the recent past with stuff like the Spamton video. So please let me assure you it is coming. I am actively working on it. It will take time to humiliate myself. <laughs> oh, winning feels good. Glad that you could do that after, you know, choke away math. So close. Yeah, you, you, okay, you, that, that, that's, a low, that's a low blow, but I'll take it and stay standing, because that's fair, that's fair. The question is now, though, what do we, what do we bet next? <sighs> I'd be willing to do the same bet again, on one hand. <laughs> but I mean, obviously a different wager. Um, the other one I was considering would be Banjo-Kazooie as a media property. I'm not saying, like, they get merch on Fangamer or, like, Grant Kirkhope releases an album for their 25th. I'm saying that it is a rare supported or published media property, be that a show, an audio whatever, a game, a board game, anything Banjo-Kazooie related in that regard. Okay, okay. I think I'd be down. You know what, Let, let's... Because I'm kind of curious, like, what other people think about it, too. Let's, like, like comments, if you have any ideas for bets, like, throw that out there. Like, take a week, month to really think about it, and then come back next time with, like, a proper bet for the year. Yeah. How's that sound? Exactly. If you have any ideas of cruelties that could be done for losing said bet as well, please leave those, yes, too. Yes, that's even better, please. But also have an idea. Thinking is at a premium. Absolutely. All right. Well... With that, we had one more month in 2022 where we could have played video games. And during that month, I finally, after about 121 hours, beat Xenoblade Chronicles 3. Anyway, uh, I would like to do something different this month. <laughs> yeah, because the thing is, with Donkey Kong December being active, we really didn't have time for, like... Anything else? Yeah, I, I I watched a bunch of movies, I guess, but, like, that's about it. If you want my opinion on Mickey's Christmas Carol, guess what? It's still good. Oh, yes, it's the best movie. Best thing to watch at Christmas. Love it so much. Oh, my God. Like, if we weren't going to do anything else, I was just going to talk about Scrooge McDuck for, like, 30 minutes. For this, we wanted to do a nice big end-of-the-year wrap-up, and I don't know about you, but I think that us discussing Game of the Year would be futile because we both agree it's Kirby, right? Correct, yes. Like, we, we're both pretty solid that the ranking is like Kirby, Live Alive, and one of God of War or Elden Ring. Yeah, I, 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 if I had finished God of War, it might be in contestant, contest with Kirby. Like, it's a really good story, but like, yeah, it's... Those are the top three, I think. Well, Sunbreak came out as well. It, but, but, like, it wouldn't be that long of a conversation either way. We would, we would basically be spinning our wheels until we got to the point where we could 
where we would eventually both agree, no, Kirby means more to us, though. Yeah, exactly. And I would not let Live Alive get lower than two. <laughs> yeah, so, so it'd be two hours of debating that, and then Kirby. Which, like, yeah. that doesn't sound like a lot of fun. So instead, we kind of thought, like, what if we just talked about an aspect of games? So mm-hmm. we had an idea for a top 15 video game characters of 2023. Right, it's twenty. God damn it! That, that's how that's how time works, that's buddy. How, that is how time works. I'm sorry. We have both collectively <laughs> nominated fifteen video game characters from this year that either debuted in games this year, had their storylines continued in games this year, or were otherwise made relevant in this year. They've done something new to their character, whether that be their character simply existing. For the first time, or just adding more to the conversation that would make you reflect on this character and their performance in this year and think of it fondly. We're not looking necessarily for debuts, but we're looking for just getting that first chance of really allowing a character to solidify in someone's heart as one of their favorites. Yeah. Or climb up their list of favorites in the case of some of them. And I would like to do this in the giant bomb style of each one of us selects one character to eliminate from the list back and forth. All right, yeah, I'm down for this. I'm down for this. Because that way, it gets nice and vicious by the end. Absolutely. And and just for, like, the formatting of this episode, we're going to be doing this instead of talking about games or the bonus stage. Just, 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 just to mix things up and keep things moving. Yeah. And we might toss this in as just, like, to make design dorks happen, because Gaiden has kind of taken over the idea and format of it, so. Exactly. That way we can get regular episodes every now and then. Yeah. It's perfect. It's been cozy. It'll work. Here are the 15 characters. Ashera from Xenoblade Chronicles 3. Atreus, God of War Ragnarok. Cube, Live Alive. Uni. Xenoblade Chronicles 3 King Dedede Kirby and the Forgotten Land Knuckles the Echidna Sonic Frontiers Kratos God of War Ragnarok Malzino Monster Hunter Rise Sunbreak Miss Chalice Cuphead The Delicious Last Course Narrator The Stanley Parable Odin God of War Ragnarok Orsted, Live Alive, Rani the Witch, Elden Ring, Silly Dillo, Kirby and the Forgotten Land, and the Iron Giant, Multiversus. Damn good batch. Yeah, it was a good year. A lot of good stories. Yeah. Good stories, good characters. Uh, So you want to take the first stab or you want me to? Um, yeah, I, I can take the first stab because... This is like a, a greatest list, but this is from our perspective, right? Yes. And neither of us have actually played Elden Ring to a point that we actually even know what Rani's character is. I know to an extent, and I wanted to put her on here because, God, I love that character design. It's such good character design, absolutely. But like, I feel like had I actually played the game properly, I would have been able to bring significantly better characters from Elden Ring. I did, I just feel like Rani gets, like, singled out because she's adorable, which, to be fair, she absolutely is. 
I know that she does play large parts in endings. Like, oh, no, I've yeah. heard I, I know little the inklings of those. Yeah. yeah, and I'm willing to, like, put that up and go, okay, no, that's good. I'm willing to go for that, but... Well, I, I think the ending also kind of revolves around the player choosing to simp for her, which I also feel like has been a major contributor to her popularity. I mean, understandable. <laughs> Have you seen the Palutena no, fan yeah, base? Yeah, I, I, I get it, I get it. Like, that ain't a bad thing. I, I do agree that it's worth highlighting her here, but I feel like neither of us are willing to actually go up to bat to keep her here. So I feel like, at, and in terms of this list, that's an easy one to just scratch off. I can agree with that. All right. Thank you for playing, Ranny the Witch. You're the worst character of 2022. <laughs> All right, your turn. Man, I'm never going to play Elden Ring, am I? I might, Backlog is too I, big. I, it's one of those games where I feel like if I actually get invested into this, it's going to take the next three months to actually feel satisfied with it. And that's just, that commitment's scary. Yeah, yeah, I get that. I get that. Um, So tell me about Malzino. Yeah, you know what? T- to be fair, that was another just like, I want to highlight this because Sunbrick had such, such good monster designs in a way they're really the characters of those games like they have npcs but like you're not gonna hear me gush about fiorain's character at all right the amount of personality they show in the monsters abilities and the lore behind them like i think i talked in some break about like the actual lore of malzino because it's dracula right it's just dracula it's the dracula dragon that's um took a symbiotic bond with the the creatures that are bonded to the devil so it's very literally like in Monster Hunter lore, Dracula made a deal with the Monster Hunter Devil to get its power, and it's just, it's so deliciously intertwined in a way that just harkens to that, like, Western Europe mythology. Mm-hmm. And I would not have felt good without highlighting that in some way. But it is also just a dragon, and I'm totally fine with cutting it. That is absolutely fine. I have to say, as someone who is just an outside looking in, insofar as Monster Hunter goes, who played the world demo and's like, yeah, that was fine, I'm not in courage to buy the game but i see why people like it this is the most invested in a monster hunter design i've ever been i can't wait to see like how they keep pushing this direction they've been going on more like if they keep digging into more and more mythologies i I will lose my mind if i get like a proper like mesoamerican quetzalcoatl or something like that's not how you say oh that that sounds nice but like right it's so cool absolutely all right number 14 Malzino. A better character than Ready the Witch. Yep, 100%. Scientifically proven. Alright, kill someone. Okay. You know, I'll I'll, I'll throw you a a softball with this one. Just because I I adore the story of God of War Ragnarok. I think it's the best written story of the year easily, and it might be one of the best written video game stories I've ever experienced. But it does feel weird to have three characters on the list. And of the three, I think we already know who Kratos is. He didn't develop as much, at least from what I've played. I haven't actually finished the game yet. Okay, but we have to talk at least for ten minutes about his character. If I'm talking about his character, I'm kind of talking more about his development from the original series to, like, this new, not reboot, but, like, soft reboot in Norse mythology. Right. And by God, he is, like, in terms of the dads in video games, he's top five, without question. I love Kratos so much. Would you take him over Sojiro Sakura? Oh, like it, it, it's kind of like two separate like extremes there, because Kratos is absolutely the tough love. Like I want to make sure that you can take care of yourself, kind of father figure. 
Mm-hmm. And he is the best at doing that. Where Sojuro is a much more caring, just provider. And wanting to make sure you're, like, emotionally stable and everything's okay. I will defend my daughter with my life. Even okay, if it cool. is kind of enabling for her. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, how about Barrett? I, I, it's, I, it's honestly been too long since I've played Final Fantasy VII. I don't remember his character that well. Yeah, he's the best character in the game, let me remind you. No, no, you. I remember he that He talks bit. about the f- fucking pizza. <laughs> yeah, Barrett is pretty great. I won't, I won't, I won't deny that. I won't deny I'm that just, at all. If you're going to throw out something like best dad in video games, I'm going to fight you. I, no, I know that the competition is stiff, but that, that just goes to show that Kratos deserves to be up there. Yeah, what about Heihachi Mishima? You are joking, right? I I know this story. You're jo- <laughs> that that's tough love. Is there any tougher love than a Salem witch trial of your own son? Okay, I I, I will I will throw out just to kind of praise a bit of Kratos's development in like this actual game, which I I'll, we should probably throw out here. Like spoiler warning for everything we're talking about, because obviously. Yes, if you see the character that we're talking about and you haven't played the game, by all means. Go to the next slide. Um, it, you, do you remember Freya from the um the fir- not the first but like the first Norse y- God yes. of War? Yeah, twenty eighteen. Yeah, yeah. She, she Baldur's mother. You kill Baldur at the end of that game. So in this game, she's seeking revenge. There yes. is a uh, point in Ragnarok where you're where Kratos is kind of forced to uh, travel with Freya. And uh, Freya's in a limited form because she can't leave the nine realms except for shape shifting, which she gets around less just as a hawk, so she can't really attack you at all. Mm-hmm. So it's like a very uneasy truce and. They they have this, like, wonderful just moments of, like, she's getting so angry at Kratos for killing her only child. Like, how would how would Kratos ever understand the pain of losing a child? And then Kratos just has that, just a delicious moment of, like, yes, no, I do know that. And it just goes into this wonderful just exploration of his backstory in, like, the, the first three God of Wars. How he lost his daughter there and everything that happened because of that. And the path of revenge. And it's just a wonderful... Just moment of just coming to understanding between two characters that were adversaries, but could just talk it out and come to understanding. And they actually talk it out for once in video gaming. I didn't know you could actually do that in a video game, but they did. And it's wonderful. Oh, so you're saying that the performance at the video game awards was cognizant of exactly how the game plays out. Kind of, yeah. Nice. I, 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 I kind of tuned out Christopher Judge's speech, but, but, he, but even then... <laughs> Man speaks from the heart. I'm just imagining halfway through his speech to Freya, there's just a band that is trying to play Kratos off. <laughs> just Atreus intensely playing a lute in the background, trying yes. to move on to the next story scene. Uh, it, it's it's a well-written game, and Kratos is no exception to that. It's a, it's a story about him trying to protect his son from going down the same path that he did and, like, the various struggles of trying to let him be his own person, but also trying to prevent him from making the same mistakes. And, oh, he's just, he's wonderful, but I like the other two God of War characters on this list significantly more. That's entirely fair. Thank you very much for your contributions, Mr. Kratos, God of War. Sounds like he's developed into a strong character for other characters to develop off of. Absolutely. And just a good constant. That's always good to have. Number 12... How are we feeling about Cube? Cube is... I, I think I told you that I, I almost didn't nominate Cube at all. I, I feel a lot about Cube the same way I do about Kirby. Just like, I, I he's the adorable little puffball and I love him. But I don't really play games to see how his character, like, develops. It, it doesn't... It's more about how everything interacts around him. 
I can agree with that, but I feel like for characters like Kirby and Cube, their function in a story and what they represent is just as important as any actual character development. I'm not going to say Wario because I'm expecting great lore to happen or for him to have a Christmas carol about his ill-gotten gains and change as a person and find redemption within himself or whatever. I'm, I'm there to see Wario do the Wario thing and like see how the world interacts with him. And Cube, I feel, is a sort of extension of that. He is there as just the idea and the identity of creative life, of unbiased life, and to serve as a contrast to the rest of the characters in the far future chapter of Live Alive. And I think he does that fantastically. Absolutely. Like the, the, the moment when he finally gets the, I can't remember his name, but the military did to warm up to him and actually gave him a cup of coffee. Oh, his name is Darth. That, How can you forget Darth? his name is Corporal Darth? <laughs> that but that's wonderful but yeah that's one of the sweetest moments in the entire game yeah and just small moments like getting really really good at video games to save people's lives and stuff like do you remember the original name i tried to give you like an idiot like your small actions of kindness and consideration are proof of the story's message and it's so cool oh gosh Okay, now now I'm not willing to cut Cube yet. <laughs> okay, give me another. Um, I don't actually even know. What was so special about Knuckles this year? Uh, he got a character for the first time since Sonic 3. Okay, okay but like how? Can you even tell me what Knuckles' character is post-Sonic Adventure? What does he do? Um... He punches things. He's the muscle of the three-friend group. Does he do it well at all? I remember breaking some big boulders in Sonic Heroes. Okay. Uh, post-Heroes. Name one thing he does other than say, this is why it's called War Vector or whatever the hell. Man, I, I can barely even remember an appearance post-Heroes, let alone what he did. Okay, cool. Uh, Sonic Frontiers is a fascinating game. Because it allows for all of the Sonic continuity to converge in one specific point. Is it great at times? No, sometimes it feels like they're making references for the sake of references. And by sometimes, I mean often. Do I agree with all of the directions the characters go in? No, this is probably the most divided I've been on Eggman in a very, very long time. And, like, I like some of the ideas, but I'm not a fan of some of the implementation. Hmm. However, this is a game that gives Sonic character moments with Amy, with Tails, and with Knuckles. And all of those characters have desperately needed some rehab. Amy finally gets to evolve out of her gotcha my darling Sonic mentality that she has had since she got stuck with it in Heroes and has not been able to evolve because the seeds that were planted for her to move past that in Sonic 2006 were erased from time because Sonic 2006. Mm -hmm. Tails had the, the moment where he cowers from Chaos Zero in Forces and just odd little bits of trying to, is he in Sonic's shadow? Should he move on? Is he satisfied as Sonic's friend? This manages to tie up all of those and give him a solid new character path. 
Sonic actually says, wow, you grew up faster than I thought you would. And I felt things about Tails. All right, all right. Knuckles, though. Knuckles gets to be a character for the first time in forever. He gets to have friendly banter with Sonic. He gets to look at this little race of people called the Cocos, and they're, like, they're memories of a forgotten race that are still trying to perform a function. And he gets uh, jammed up with the military contingent of them. So just seeing these little Goomba-like robots trying to do basic military functions, and Knuckles trying to egg them on and do things with honor and pride, and he gets to play off of Sonic for once. He gets to egg on Sonic and go, yeah, that was good. I think I could have done better. You know, if I wasn't a ghost trap in an ethereal plane, I would have just punched it and it would have worked. And then they get to laugh at each other. Knuckles gets to chuckle. Ha! That's nice. character growth. You get flashbacks to Sonic 3. Knuckles gets to reflect on his position as the guardian of the Master Emerald, what it means to find others. He gets to go at the end of the game, he's resolved to go out in the world and find himself as a person and not just be shackled to his past, something that he has been struggling with for 24 years. They took his development from the Sonic 2 movie, which need I remind you also came out this year. Oh, right. And normally I wouldn't quantify that. I don't want to judge a character entirely because of an outside influence on video games, but it is clear that that movie had an influence on Knuckles. So I am taking the Idris Elba incarnation and seeing what it is doing and seeing how it is influencing the series right here. And it's adding so much to Knuckles. He's here because I cared a little about Amy. I care a little about Tails. I don't give a shit about Knuckles outside of his design and gameplay. And they made me care about him as a character. I, I guess my question then would be... Like, yes, it sounds like he, the, the gap between what he was and what he is now is obviously tremendous. But does that reach up to a point that's actually, like, a top-tier character? Or is it just a release of pressure being like, oh, wow, this actually is something now? Well, see, that's what I like about this, because now I get to build off of my like of Knuckles from a gameplay perspective, and I get to add on this character. He gets to be completed as a character. And am I going to argue that he's the best character of the year? Nah, but I would like to see him a little higher, because that's some work. Okay, okay, you, you convince me, fair, fair. All right, but in that case, who? So the Iron Giant. Oh, no. <laughs> no, you didn't step there. Okay, so Miss Chalice. Oh, okay, okay, now we're now we're talking, because I, 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 I love Miss Chalice, she's adorable. That this might be, this is a kind of another case where a lot of that's outside influence from the Cuphead show itself. Oh yes, if if we were purely rating Cuphead show Miss Chalice, I would boost her much higher. But it's the fact that it's primarily her game incarnation. And I, I don't think that Miss Chalice from the show has nearly the influence on the games as Knuckles does from Sonic 2 to Frontiers. I, I might even argue that's not really there at all. I I, I think these were kind of made... A little inconsequential. Like, like, she has, like, character, but there's none of the none of the spunk of the Cuphead Show version of her. I agree, but I wanted an excuse to talk about the Cuphead Show version of Miss Chalice. Like, 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 there's a reason that the devil from the Cuphead Show is not on this list. Because 
he wasn't in a game in 2022. I mean, well, kind of. That's, that's like, bonus boss thingy. And not really him as well, but whatever. But if he was in a game in 2022, yeah, he'd be on here and I'd be like, yeah, but the devil, though. <laughs> no, I, I, I'd be right there with you. Adore that character. But yeah, I do want to praise what Miss Chalice does from a gameplay perspective. Well, yeah, I, I could get behind that. She takes the extreme difficulty of the baseline Cuphead game and kind of gives a kind of an easy mode, but also a different way to play. Given how her supers work, they have, like she hits vertically with her supers and Cuphead hits horizontally, that sort of thing. Right. Which gives a fascinating way of like doing a difficulty option in a game that I really enjoy and i'd love to see more of in future just everything agreed i just like her parry being a dash and that creating a much more aggressive play style than cuphead would allow for because cuphead is a very much a stay at the other side of the screen and pelt them with the finger guns type of character he's, he's a very traditional running gunner miss chalice just due to how her supers function due to how her basic movement functions needs to be able to get in closer and creates a stronger, I want to say, hit-and-run kind of identity. Yeah, yeah I, think, I think that's a good way to put it. And I do think that that leans into the show's personality better than her game personality. I, I feel like that that's swindling 101, and I wish that there was more. <laughs> but, yeah, I, I just want to praise a good character doing a good thing. Because we've seen character variants this year be entirely underwhelming. Hi there, Viola. How's it going? Still poorly? Great. But Miss Chalice ain't that. She's got the pizzazz. I can't for the life of me remember who Viola even is. Uh, Bayonetta. Oh! No, yeah, that's fair. But yeah, she's a great character, but not in the medium that we are discussing. Exactly. Well, no, she's, she's still great, but not like in what we're talking about. Not like, whoa, yeah. All right, so that is number 12, Miss Chalice. All right, you're up for number 11. Okay. The most unfortunate number, because they were not good enough to get into the top 10. So I'm seeing two Xenoblade characters here. Yeah, they're both good. Which do you think is worse? That's hard to say, because they're both good, and the reason that they're good is because I ship them. <laughs> God, okay. It just so happens that the two best characters in the game that I thought individually have a scene at the very end that would make them a very good couple <laughs> that solidifies both of their character arcs. Oh gosh, all right. Now, still, I, I I ask again, which is worse? Because they it, they have to be ranked at some point. I personally prefer Ashera. But I think a majority of people will prefer Uni just because it's the difference between a main character and a side character, and I'm just someone who latches onto characters regardless of size very hard. Mm -hmm. But I'd fight for both of them. Like I, I'll kill, I'll kill Knuckles before I will either of them. You know what? I no, because you kind of sold me on Knuckles. You know, you know what? I I love the narrator of the Stanley Parable. He's one of the funniest written characters in all of gaming, but he didn't really change much, this, like, with the release of the Deluxe Edition. He just got more to say, which is fantastic, and just please give me more of that forever and ever, but... That is fine by me. I didn't end up playing Deluxe Edition this year, so that's entirely based on your perspective. Yeah, I like, will like, say... He has, he has funny moments, absolutely. Like, yeah. he'll, 
he'll start like pulling out like Steam reviews and complaining about the how people are complaining about the features of his game and trying to make the game better. Like here, I've added this new button. Look how look how much more interactivity the game has now. These reviews will surely go away now, and it's hilarious. But it's he's doing the same thing he's always done. So it's just a continuation of a bit rather than a subversion of it. Yes, I would say so. Because like the original Stanley Parable, like it covered so much ground. Like I think there's like forty different endings before this happened. So like yeah, something like that. It's it's really just more like seeing what people just love this character and just adding more interactions for him. That's uh, entirely like, fair. I, I, I love him, but I also would have forgotten to put him on the list had you not brought him yourself, because, like, he's just the same character. Oh, yeah, I, I just hold that original narrator from Stanley Parable performance in such high regard. For for good reason. Mm-hmm. It Does it... Is it more or less of a continuation of his character than GLaDOS in Portal 2? I, oh, God... T- no, no, no. GLaDOS has got the potato, he's got the realizations about who she is, and, like, mm-hmm. choosing, at, in the ending, like, who she wants to be, and okay. not choosing what you expect her to be. Like, no, I, I'd fight for GLaDOS way harder than I would. Okay, that's that's fair, because I like, I would say I like narrator in Stanley Parable more than I like GLaDOS in Portal 1. That is, yes, yes. But if this is not a continuation all of Portal 2, I, I definitely see that. All right, number 11, narrator. All right, and just to remind everyone of our characters remaining for our top 10 characters of the year, Ashera, Atreus, Cube, Uni, King DDD, Odin, Orsted, the Iron Giant, and our number 10 spot, Silly Dillo. You did forget Knuckles there, but I will I would agree with that. Did I not say did I not say <laughs> I swore I said Knuckles. And Knuckles. Yeah, there, there you go. Perfect. All right. Yep. Number ten, silly Dillo. My goal was to get him in the top ten. I succeeded. We're good. Yeah, that that actually fits pretty well because like I like he's not in the game for very long, but like he does so much with the little that he's given. I remember when Crash Four came out, and you said to me, "Why the hell should I care about Dingo Dial being playable in the game?" This is the exact same feeling that I get if the next Kirby game was like, and yes, we said that right. Playable Silly Dillo. I would pop off in the exact same way. Like, for just a stupid aesthetic mini-boss character, oh, he's so much fun. The environmental storytelling done with the garbage, his desire to have a friend and building that out of garbage, and how that contrasts with Kirby and Elphalin and their relationship. Building his wife out of garbage and swing dancing with his wife as an attack and then throwing his garbage wife at you as an attack. Oh, it's so so much fun. Like, is it a deep character at all? No, but he makes the neurons in my brain go burr in a really good way. Absolutely. And just, just, it's a simple thing, but the expression. Yes. He's nuts and I love him. I love when he goes all narrow-eyed at you and just is trying to get his lazy eye under control (laughs) just to do a little glare. (laughs) Just like, I don't think you could execute a character better than this with this concept. Like, can he go much higher? No. No, this is his ceiling. But God, he hit that ceiling. I mean, they could do something like making him do the collectibles in the next game or something. Oh, absolutely. There's more that you can do with this character, but just in the context of this one release. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. No, I agree. I agree. I agree. Yeah. 
But yeah, I, I have no complaints. He's wonderful. He's he's easily a top ten character of the year. Perfect. That's all I wanted to hear. Okay, kill someone. Okay, I, I, honestly, I'm down to kill Knuckles now. Yeah, that's fair. I, I've said basically what I wanted to on Knuckles, but like, damn, that's not a character I expected to care about ever again. Yeah, that's fair. Like, you convinced me that he deserves a few higher places, but it's still a... I, I don't think I'd ever put a Sonic character much higher, except for Eggman, but like peak Eggman, not Frontier's Eggman. Ah, see, that's the thing. I think some people really love Frontier's Eggman. It's a really unique interpretation of the character. Yeah, I'm I, not I love a the fan ideas that Frontiers has, but like, it's it's rushed. What they're trying to do with it, and doesn't, yes, doesn't oh god, yes, properly. Just, oh, Mike Pollock sells the hell out of those scenes when he voice acts them. I'm just ugh. Frontiers is so good occasionally. <laughs> like if they build off what they're doing with Eggman in the future, that'd be nice. But for now, it's like you're supposed to feel about this moment because we're introducing it in this moment. And yes. that's, that's just like, you, you gotta have some build-up for that sort of stuff. You, you yeah. can't just say, oh, I consider you like a daughter now. Like, no, no, you gotta, like, come on. That's not storytelling. <sighs> See, he has two lines that relate to that. I don't like the first one. I love the second one. Because the first one is just a dramatization of what he's feeling, I think, is too much. A second one is as a response to loss, and I think that works for him. Just kind of introduce it as, like, I didn't know I had this until it was gone kind of deal. Exactly. Yeah. Grass is greener sort of thing. Yeah, I can, I can see that working for Eggman. But yeah. Uh, maybe they'll build off of it. I, I'd be interested to see it. Mm-hmm. All right. So how are we feeling about the Iron Giant? Oh, okay. It's top ten now. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I just... I, I feel similarly to the Iron Giants that, like, you did for K. Rule when you made that... um design for a video about how his appearance in Smash just kind of evolves his design. I love how they took the story of the Iron Giant, which is like, he's learning that he doesn't have to be a weapon, right? That's the whole point of the right. movie. Mm-hmm. And in a game where he actually meets his idol, Superman, kind of use that as a stepping stone to be like, no, like, you have these powers, you can use them for good, and you can do so by learning from your idol himself. And that's just, that's that's... It's simple, but I love that continuation with all of my heart. Just the fact that you're taking a character who is scared of himself and not really trusting himself and be like, no, like, no, you can do this. You can, you can turn into the monster form and like, you know, it's, you're just protecting your friends. It's cute. It's adorable. But I will admit it is just through pure gameplay. There's no like actual story there where like Iron Giant learns this from Superman. I lo- like, a solid half of this is just me inferring from the setting rather than actually being the point of the design in of itself. Right. So I would concede with that placement in with that in mind. Like, it, it presents a wonderful idea of how, like, you can just evolve a character by putting them in a fighting game. Right. But it's, like, half of that is, like, the games I'm doing, and half of that is just my overactive imagination. No, I, I get you, I get you. As a def- Defender of K. Rule, I have to say, well, you didn't have to go through an absence of irrelevancy and have to do a, a poll on the Smash ballot in order to get your character back. No, people are just naturally nostalgic for yours. I mean, they've been kind of... It's obviously not to the same degree, but they've no, been I, I, using I, I, Iron I know, Giant I know, I, as, Like, Ready Player One, it's just like, oh, you ha- there's the thing, you remember the thing, you like the thing, right? But they actually here did something with him, rather than just having him exist. No, I, I agree with you. I just, 
need to be petty for the sake no, of my no character. Worries. I, I respect that immensely. I'm okay putting him above Cube if you want. I will I will happily take that. Yeah, eight, okay, eight I will, seven. I will cut Cube, and then you will cut Iron Giant at seven? Yes. Okay. 100% down for that. Lovely. So then that is our eight and our seven. Okay, so in that case, whose turn would it be now? That That is my turn now. Okay. So... Let me get this straight. There there are two God of War characters on here. I, I think that's a little much for the top five, don't you? I, yeah, like, I would like, agree come on, we need, we need some diversity. If it wasn't for the fact that there's two Xenoblade characters here, and there is no way in hell I'm, I'm bowing to that argument of Xenoblade over God of War. I, I don't see the problem, dude. N- neither of your guys are cute girls. I'm just saying. Yeah, they, they actually have a personality. They have to because they're not cute girls. Okay, then we can cut D to D. Uh, uh, dude, let's be honest. He's probably going to be the number one here, and we're both in agreement <laughs> of that. Let's let's not beat around the bush. Come on. <laughs> no, that's okay. Cool. We can we can cut deity here. We, there's no other option that satisfies both of us. I I am I'm willing to go to bat for both. I, I want both of them in the top five. Is what I am aiming for when I put okay. both of them here. All right. Um, that's fine. Uh, I'll argue for uni. You argue for whichever one you think is lesser. It's lesser. I'd be a oh god. Oh, I love them both for such different reasons. I also haven't actually finished the game, so I can't, like, argue fully. Well, this is great. <laughs> oh, this is my strength. All right. I, th- well, I, I I would argue Atreus lesser just because Odin was introduced here and his characterization is so strong. I was going to say that my main issue with Atreus is in how his story scenes are presented, which is very, very long walks of climbing mountains. I haven't seen much of God of War, but I am not a fan of the amount of pace-breaking just walking around that is done. I'm I'm really not a fan of walk-and-talk gameplay, unless that's, like, the entire point of the story. It is It is definitely a... Uh, I, this is a fascinating thing I've been thinking about a lot with this game, where the uh, choice to make the uh, camera never break away from the story does mm-hmm. actually come at a uh, cost to, uh, like, it being an actual game from time to time. Right. Because, like, you'll have just like, oh yeah, Atreus and Ingerboda are going back to the, the lodge. Like, you could just cut with a cutscene here, but no, we're actually going to have them walk back. However, I do disagree on that being a detriment to the actual story. Because every single... I don't think there's much dialogue wasted at all to get to a heart of, like, how a character is feeling that, that isn't paid off almost immediately after. Well, not immediately after, but later on down in the story. Mm-hmm. Having those moments lets you really get into why a character is feeling the way they are. It helps you build relationships between, like, like Atreus and Angerboda. Like, they, they're just, they've just met. There shouldn't really be any romantic attachment there. But by, by establishing that, hey, both of these kids have essentially never met a kid their age. Or at least if they have, it has been a very long time. And having them both bond over just being the last of their kind. Like, it's cute. It's adorable. Like, taking that extra time really makes you feel for the attachment growing between both of these characters. Alrighty. Okay, you're, that's entirely fair. You're not fair. wrong, but it is in service to a greater thing. Like, it, it doesn't feel good in the moment, but it feels great looking back on it. And you're like, okay. oh, okay, now I, I feel that now. Alright, I will always pick on those moments because I feel like the game experience should not be downplayed as, like, in expense to the story. They, they do also split out those encounters pretty regularly with combat. Okay. Like, right. It can never go longer for like a, like I say like two minutes before fighting something when you're okay. in those kind of storytelling. Or right. is Atreus's combat good? It's actually really fun. 
Like, okay. I, I'm, I'm shocked that they didn't put any of that in the pre-release material. It's like, hey, there's multiple characters in this game that you can play as. Surprise! But, like, the moment the camera just pans behind him and you start playing as him, oh, that was so good! Okay, how many points do you dock him for giving you a puzzle solution too early? Uh, I'm smart. I, I, he never gave me a puzzle solution too early. <laughs> okay, awesome. <laughs> Perfect. Uh... That's the only other complaint I've heard about the character. Just that and, like, Mimir going, You're on fire, brother! It'll pass. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's hilarious. And just the consistency of, okay, I get it. No, I, I, I like to, like, actually praise Atreus. Like, the amount of development they're giving him, like, growing into his powers as, like, he is very literally the Loki of this universe. And, like, it, it pays off on that in dividends. Like, the first boss battle in that game... It's like Kratos is going after his son because he just wandered off, and he finds these tracks of a bear that's been mauled, and he's like, oh gosh, my son's been mauled by a bear. Fights the bear, beats the bear up, and he, the bear falls unconscious, and it shifts back into his son. And just starting to build off Atreus, like, find, discovering all these godly powers. His Spartan rage thing is just turning into a wolf and ripping people's heads off. Oh, that's fun. It's awesome. Oh, I that's love delicious. him so much. <sighs> Sounds like a good spot to be number six. No, absolutely not. You're not getting two Xenoblade char- characters past two God of okay. War. Okay, so I'll let me talk- happily put him at number five, but you're not getting both of them past him. Let me talk about Uni then. Okay. Give her the spotlight she deserves. So I'm going to be liberally sprinkling about spoilers from Xenoblade Chronicles 3, but only in regards to Uni's story and character and basically the nature of Xenoblade Chronicles 3's world. Okay. Because I feel like those are important. And I feel like you can enjoy it, enjoy Xenoblade Chronicles 3, knowing these details. So the idea of Xenoblade Chronicles 3 is a world that is stuck in time. It is one of perpetual warfare that exists in the now. All characters that you see in it are basically incubated as child soldiers They are thrust out of their child soldier pods immediately into training, and their goal is to live for 10 years so that their body's natural expiration date reaches, and they can, like, go back to their queen in, like, a spiritual manner instead of just dying in combat. Everything is based on the idea of being scared of your own mortality, the limitations of your own mortality, and continuing in a perpetual cycle where your body and your identity basically keep being recycled again and again and again to be used as fuel for an eternal war, which is a very easy metaphor to be made for, like, real war, though. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Most of the characters in Xenoblade 3 are just that. They are products of this system with different backstories, but not two different backstories because they're all child soldiers and all have the child soldier upbringing and thus have very kind of predictable and simple and straightforward personalities. And Uni is a fucking breath of fresh air. She actually has a personality. She starts as just Oh, this is your healer girl. She has a big staff. Her staff is actually a gun. She is the person who is most likely to slag you at a bar. She cusses constantly. She is constantly rude and snarky to the other characters. She's just, she's allowed to be herself and exist in this world and have a personality. And that brings out the best in every single other member of the cast 
because they have someone to actually act off of and go, you what? But because of her role as a healer, she is very concerned about the well-being of everyone. So her just sort of ill nature comes off as very playful ribbing. But then to other people, it's just a matter. She has fantastic lines like, Noah, permission to hit him really, really hard. Just once. I promise. That's all I'll do. And just, mm, it works so well for the character and goes right into her backstory because about, I want to say, a third of the way through the game, she finds her own corpse. She finds her corpse from a past life that has been completely crystallized, fossilized over. All the life has been drained of it. And throughout the rest of the game, she constantly has panic attacks. She sees her previous death from another life. She wonders how much her current life is worth given all of this. She wonders just how much they're changing in reality when this is the end result. This character feels actual tangible fear and freezes up in battle. And you get to see that and it works really, really well. But then you get to see that balance like moments where she realizes how reproduction work is supposed to work from a group of people who can actually have babies. And she has the famous line, what about babies? You got any babies? And, mm. and the way that it ends up working with certain characters, because every character in Xenoblade 3 plays off of one of the random heroes you'll meet. Um, you mentioned like gotcha blades in Xenoblade 2. Mm -hmm. um, imagine that, but instead of just, oh, you got them and they're there, every character in your party, one of them will be assigned that hero and will be able to interact with them. And Yuni has some absolutely great ones, like she's just tailing an old man and just does not understand the idea of him being old about refusing to open up. She's just such an exuberant character who puts herself in the forefront of everything and is like, you what? Can't you just talk? Will you just fucking talk? Talk out your problems and we can understand. Stop shooting him and tell me what the goddamn problem is. And just, can you imagine how refreshing that is to hear in an anime game? Oh no, yeah, absolutely. Right? I, 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 I'm, I'm with you. I'm, I'm picturing it. But at the same time, I'm, I'm, all the time listening to this, I'm just wondering, like, okay, but, like, what is her most annoying voice line that she just won't stop repeating over and over again? Uh, that is... You hear that, Noah? Lands wants something a bit meatier. I, I, I've heard. I figured. <laughs> That's the one. With that said, it does not annoy me half as much as, haha, I'm the girl with the gall. <laughs> like, of all of the lines, I like Uni enough as a character that her constantly repeated voice lines do not annoy me nearly as much as the rest of the cast. To the point where if Uni says a line, I'll go, <laughs> yeah, Uni, thank you. As opposed to, wow, Noah, you put a lot of emotion in that line. Tyon, can you shut the fuck up for one second? That sure is your character, Lands. Uni is a character that I feel is able to thrive in Xenoblade Chronicles 3's story, rather than being entirely defined by it. She has the same arc as the other characters, but she is allowed to have her personality fully develop and come onto its own, and because her personality exists and is so strong, is really the most meaningful interaction in the game, except for the character Ashera, who targets me specifically and who Yuni 
is the one chosen to interact with. And I will save all discussion of that for when we eventually argue of when a Shara should be cut. I do just want to leave it as I have mixed feelings about most of Xenoblade Chronicles 3's cast. I have only positive feelings about Uni. Nice. It sounds like a perfect number six character. It sounds like a great number five character. Yeah, just number six. Let me type that down real quick. Just Uni, That's okay. I got the doc too. Like, I, I'll happily concede Atreus to five, but, like, th- this is this is a hard wall of just, I don't respect Xenoblade's writing enough to put it over God of Wars. That there's no way in hell I would ever agree with that. I can agree with story beats. This is why I didn't choose the main characters of Xenoblade Chronicles 3. Because if I have to hear Noah awkwardly go, what? And what's that? Hmm. I see. To someone giving a grand emotional speech. Yeah. Yeah, it'd be an issue. But this is like, who's the character from Xenoblade 2 you like, Zeke? Ah, uh, Morag. That'd be Morag. Okay, whatever. It's that character getting to act off of it instead of the main character. Like, it give a shit about what you're saying because you're involved and you have a character voice in the scene that isn't just your role in the plot. And am I probably emphasizing that too much because I just really don't care about the characters that just only give me character or only give me plot voice instead of character voice? Yes. But I played like 120 hours of this game, my guy. You didn't finish (laughs) yours. Yeah. And like, I'm pretty sure I've gotten more story with Atreus from what I've played than you've gotten from Uni from the entirety of the game. That's just how God of War is set up. Like, you get to live throughout these characters' entire lives during this portion of the game, their, their own stories. Get an in-depth look at it. So, uh, uh, let, let, let me talk about this for Atreus for a second. Okay. So, one of the major, like, sources of conflict between Atreus is that at the end of the first God of War... Not, not the first, the, the first Norse one. This gets so cr- frustrating to talk about. Mm-hmm. But Kratos sees a portrait that the, that the giants had left behind before they died that basically foretold every single journey that him and Atreus went on. Like, right. Ages before it ever happened. Mm-hmm. And he sees this, but Atreus doesn't. He sees a picture of him dying as Atreus is holding, is cradling his body. And so Kratos is just sitting with his knowledge in his head the entire time. And he doesn't want to, like, his, his son to know about it. And he's trying to protect him, trying to raise him, trying to prevent him from following in his footsteps, from making the same mistakes, because he doesn't know when it is he's going to die. Atreus finds this out completely separately from Kratos, which sends him into an absolute frenzy of being like, oh god, my dad's gonna die. I I have to do whatever I can to stop this from happening. So there's this delicious tension just throughout the entire, I think it's the second act of the game, I'm not entirely sure. I'm I'm in the, I think I'm at the tail end of it right now, where both characters are starting to slowly mistrust each other because they're clearly hiding something from each other when they're actually hiding the same thing from each other but they don't want to tell each other because like it's the death of a loved one why would you want to talk about that and just the lengths that atreus is willing to go to to try and save his father is it's just oh it's 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 a wonderful showcase of like actual human conflicts i was just talking about with kratos being like actually talking things out with freya to actually kind of repair things a bit with her Mm mm-hmm it's a wonderful showcase of, like, needing to talk something out with people, but you can't because of just situations involving, like, the complexity of, like, human, just, relationships. Also, Atreus gets to do so much cool stuff! Like, there's this moment where 
Oh, this kind of gets into why Odin's so good, though. Well, like, he, he, he eventually ends up going to Odin, just because Odin's the all-knowing master of Norse mythology, and if anybody can know how to save his father, how to prevent prophecy from happening, it's him. And just the interactions between him and Odin are just, oh, they're, they're delicious. Okay, fine. You want to talk about character relationships? We talk about uni, okay? So, like, you assume that there are going to be pairings in this game, right? Based on, obviously, mm-hmm. the interlink and stuff. And she's with the nerdy gay tie-on, who she doesn't get along with. And eventually they become friends and support each other because opposites attract and whatnot. And you get to the end of the game and Tyon gives her some recipes and she's like, well, what am I going to do with this? And he's like, oh, I've thought of that. I made it so that even you can handle it. And she's like, thanks, buddy. You know, this has been a great journey. You are at least my fourth best friend. And he has a panic attack over, excuse me, fourth? I, I, there's no one left. Who's above me? Who is there? And she just completely eggs him on and completely subverts it so that she can date her girlfriend, who she's definitely girlfriends with. And I just wanted to say that because it's delightful. She completely subverts the pairing that I'm sure people have, but I disagree with. Now, is this headcanon or is this the actual story, though? This is the actual story. No, but I mean, like, the pairing. Because I, I don't... I, again, again I, don't, I don't know if I trust Xenoblade enough to actually be that ballsy in Jap- Japan's current political climate. They're not, but it's like... It's more than Marianne and Hilda from Fire Emblem Three Houses. This, isn't that nothing, though? No, that's, that's a promise based on jewelry and backstory that is implied. But there's, like, there, there's... Gay pairings in that one, though. I don't think that's... It's, it's not one of them, because the gay pairings are all with you. Oh, right, because... Okay, yeah, no, I remember. Yeah. So it's almost like half-fisting relationships with the main character in Fire Emblem isn't good for the character narratives. Exactly. Well, who am I to say? Exactly. I think that this is done more clearly than that. And I think that one's as clear as you can get. It's... It's not quite Ike and Soren, but it's close. I... I, I... Hmm. I'm not fond of praising for implication. I feel like companies get away with that too much, which has prevented them from actually moving past implication. Like, okay, we've met, we've hit the target metric. We're good now. We don't need to do any more on that. I I'm, can I'm agree, really but, it's, that. but it's not token, and it's because you invested time in these characters. Like, it is a natural extension of their character when they had the easy pairing. Okay, okay I'll give you that. Good. All right. Okay, so Uni can go at number six. Yes! Okay, okay. Like, Trace can go five, then. Okay. You sure? It's your cut at five. Oh, it is my cut! Oh, yeah. oh good. Yeah, as uh, okay, a reminder, okay, okay. our top five with Uni Xenoblade 3 at number six is Ashera from Xenoblade 3, Atreus from God of War, King Dedede from Kirby and the Forgotten Land, Odin from God of War, and Orsted from Live Alive. Okay, okay. Just kind of thinking about how the rest of the list could play out. Because if I'm being honest, I, I feel like if I actually get to this end of God of War's story, like, if I were to make a top ten, half of the characters would be from this story. I, I think it's that well written. It, it is impeccably done. But I, I'm missing too much of Atreus' story to put him any higher. All right. Which I, I hope that, like, speaks to the quality of it, that I don't even know half of it, and I'm still willing to make him a top five. No, absolutely. 
In terms of both, like, the narrative of just him growing into his own person, growing into the Loki of this universe, and actually fulfilling those, like, lofty expectations, on top of, like, the what he adds to the gameplay by being an actual separate character to control to, like, give a fun spin on the God of War combat. Which, in turn, just kind of helps him evolve as his own character as you're actually seeing him become more competent. It's, it's really, really delightful. But I'm okay with him being at five. All right. So I'm going to give you my thoughts. I don't see Ashera going any higher than three, but I also want to fight for her for three. And not just because it's funny to have the Xenoblade Chronicles three rep at number three. This is a character that I really, really like. And Odin is the only one that I don't know on this list. So if you're wanting to do that and get Ashera to three, the only way I'm letting that pass is if Orsted goes to four. Oh, no, Orsted is number one. Orsted's number one? I'm fighting for him for number one. Oh, that's not... Oh, my... Okay, this is going to be an interesting conversation. No fucking doubt in my mind that I'm arguing him at for top. Like, I will not settle for lower than two for him. But, like, it's not even a continue... Like, the what he had a continuation was, like, two scenes. Is it? Yes. Is it also the first time that the West gets to experience that? Absolutely. It'd be like saying that Joker wasn't a character of 2017, but was a character of 2016, because that's when it released in Japan. Ah, uh, mm. Or that Pokemon Trainer Red released in 96 instead of 98. Hmm. This how is the I, first time that this? character gets to have his story in totality, and then they add on to it. Th this is an interesting topic of just, like, praising a story based on... Uh, what it does versus what it is superseded by, what it inspired. Mm hmm Because I think Orsted does what he does well, impeccably well. I also don't think it's really anything special. I think it's absolutely special. Oh, but the main character gets beaten down and has one final moment of realizing that, no, I don't want to be the bad guy. That That's pretty tropey. Nah, it's that... That's the reason we call it the first, you said all the first Greek tragedy of video games. Yeah, the main... It's a Greek tragedy. Exactly, but it's set up because the main character is the mute Dragon Quest hero who allows his actions to speak above his words, and it's only when he finds self-loathing and reflection in himself does he find the ability to speak. It's only when he transforms and can no longer let his actions speak for himself, when he is filled with such doubt and corruption and no longer believes in the principles that make him a hero. That he transforms entirely and loses his role as a hero. That's brilliant. That's working off of the base expectation of Dragon Quest and perverting it to such a degree that makes for a beautiful character from not just a characterization perspective, but an entirely meta-contextual perspective. Orsted is a masterclass as a video game character. You could not translate him into another medium and have him be half as effective. Oh no, I, I agree with that, but like he also just doesn't do much. <laughs> he makes Breath of the Wild before Breath of the Wild happened. Oh yes, the the, the monument of storytelling that is Breath of the Wild. I, I just bang gameplay and diversifying and finding out how to do it. He he ends up as the big thing. He's the he's the Calamity Ganon. He's the original Calamity Ganon. Any inspiration that that character takes gets lopped into Orsted. Only Ganon speaks, and he's charismatic, and he allows you to have a boss rush and be all the blights and just beat up Link for the fuck of it. 
It, it has the same ring to me as someone trying to claim that, um, like, the original Donkey Kong is the best video game ever made, or the original Pac-Man is the best video game ever made, or, or just anything along, or Tetris, or something like that. I refuse that argument because of the enhancements to Live Alive's character voice. The simple act of him being an iambic pentameter, the voice acting that he manages to deliver, his lines are well thought out, his questioning of what it means to be a hero is well thought out. That's a damn great villain speech that he gives to your protagonist. And I don't know if you got a worse one because you got Cube, but I got a pretty damn good one with Sundown. I mean, I, I don't remember the speech he gave. You don't remember but, uh, going it, up to him and him going, come, let's have a talk. Tell me, how much no, do your actions he, he really have- matter? He didn't have that much of an impact. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of just reeling here because I recognize the the effect he had. And I agree that he is an ex- ex- does what he does extremely well. I agree that his performance was great, but I don't like remember anything he said. It's it's a full wallowing of his own pity. The idea oh, yeah, that he does, his he does. the idea that his experience is the universal hero experience, and ha, huh, in time you'll all end up just like me. And your character's basically having to go, you know, that's not entirely wrong, but I mean, all we can do is fight anyway, because look at what else there is. And him being unable to accept the idea of a world where he can be anything less than a hero, where it can be anything more than the everyone betray me, I fed up with this world. Until you get that moment of realization where he gets to die as that element. It is a full and complete arc done beautifully to contrast the entire rest of the game. He is the entire story of Live Alive without sacrificing any character while subverting the entire genre of art JRPGs that Dragon Quest set up while embodying the great elements of video game villains. To me, he is everything that a JRPG villain is and executed in the context of its game, flawlessly. I can see that, but at the same time, I don't think I can rank a JRPG villain that high in the first place. Because I I have this problem with a lot of just Japanese media in general, that they often present their stories as an idea of a character and a story, rather than, like, the actual character building. I I agree with, like, everything you've said, but at the same time, I don't have anything to latch onto with Orsid. He is very much the idea of what he's putting forward. And the idea is phenomenal! Oh my god, it's great! Like, it is so impactful to have that moment of just Orsted realizing the horror of what he's become and being able to break out and have that final moment, have him be strike down the monster that he himself has become that's created. Like, that hits so hard! Didn't quite get teary-eyed, but like, I felt that in my heart. It was beautiful! But in a discussion about, like, good characters, I feel like like trying to praise, like, oh yeah, it's a full character arc, like, yeah, that's... That was a prerequisite to get this far. <laughs> well, yeah, no, I, I get you there. I suppose I mean it more in the sense of if this character were a myth, because I would consider him closer in storytelling to myths than I would modern stories of a character embodying traits, then this single story is the totality of all of Orsted's mythology that has been told over the ages. In the same way that, say, the entirety of Hercules's or Heracles's, as opposed to a single labor wherein he learns a lesson. 
Well, I mean, if we want to talk about mythology for a second, there's this there's this thing called Norse mythology that's been around for centuries and centuries. I that get that. Has no, a lot no, of... look, look, I feel you. I get you. <laughs> they also cram two games into one in that one, and I think it's a little jarring. I think Live Alive is a little bit better paced than God of War Ragnarok in that sense. In most senses, actually, but I think Live Alive is immaculately paced. I mean, you're, you're telling that to somebody who got bored in the final chapter and went straight for the final boss. Hmm. That's... I'm, I'm sorry that you got bored in the optional content. I, th- I think Live Alive is well-paced in the same way that, like, a, a Shakespeare play is well-paced. Because there's not much filler oh, no, or fuck development that. at all. Well, fuck no, that, but, dude. Like, Hamlet sucks. I came back. I, I, I heard it come out of my mouth. I was like, wait a second. <laughs> But like, in a way that you're kind of just trying to present the really important beats and kind of just leave up the characters to, like, the deeper things to the imagination. Like, when you see Sundown Kid, you, you, they kind of talk about his history a bit, but they don't um, develop it at all. They leave it to the player's imagination to kind of just fill in, like, what that might have been. What kind of life did he have before then? And that creates the, uh, the actual character there. Well, the history. Well, yeah. It creates the investment there. Well, yeah, but, but let me argue... That's entirely because it's an homage to Western storytelling, specifically the spaghetti Western style of storytelling. That is the exact kind of characterization that you would get from that character in a spaghetti Western movie. Well, yeah, but I could say that about every character here. No, you can't. You can't say that about Kira. You see the entirety of Cube's life. Well, it's just, Cube's just been born. But you get to see the entirety of that form of storytelling. You get to see it in the same context that you would say, HAL 9000. This is just another form of storytelling. And I have to say that classical myth resonates with me quite a lot. And I see Orsted in that same kind of vein. And I feel like the presentational style of the medieval chapter is making that incredibly intentional. Because if, if all the characters were the same, I would absolutely agree with you. However, there are characters like Akira who get significantly more backstory and get it paced in a way that is very akin to anime, akin to a uh, Japanese film of the time, of that sort of cyberpunk setting. Well, where my head is at right now, I'm trying to... I'm just, I'm just looking at Orset's character from different angles, trying to... Uh, it, it, hmm. Because like where my brain is at with him right now is just like, yeah, I, I, I feel for his loss, but I have no idea what his ideals were in the first place. I feel for what he wished his life to be, but I only saw it for like five minutes. The, th- the things I like the most about his character are things that my brain is coming up with itself based on what Live Alive put the groundwork for, which is Immaculate. But I, I like your interpretation of it being a myth as well, because that's like how myths work. They don't explain much, they just present a, an idea, a, mor- a moral. I still can't entirely agree with that just because of the placement of his final speech to your characters, which I feel lays out his ideals of just heroism, of doing right and being done right by others. I feel like that's laid out very plainly and barely, and how he outright doesn't understand why you would show mercy anymore. His ideal is the ideals of the chapter, which is as long as one person believes in you, you are the hero and can enrich their lives. And him trying to do that and everyone around him dying because of that and going, well, this isn't fucking fair. 
Sorry, I'm just... No, no problem. I also <laughs> named him Jonathan Joestar, <laughs> which was very funny. Oh, God, I would not have been able to take that seriously at all. <laughs> oh, boy. I was not, I was not expecting to, like, dig, have to dig this deep live into my psyche of, like, what do I value in a story? <laughs> what do I value in a character? Where are these thoughts coming from? Well, if you want me to simplify, I ain't cutting him at four. Oh, no, I wouldn't either. I wouldn't either. Yeah. Like, especially after all this. There, there is a bit of me that just would feel wrong about ranking such a comparably minimalist story to, uh, say, the decades of character development of King Dedede and where that ended up. On one hand, I feel you. On the other hand, it's Kirby. Like, we have fully explored the character of King Dedede and all the growth that he's been given. On the other hand, we have done that through snippets that are smaller than individual parts of Orsted's story. Yes, but I'd rank that one moment in Forgotten Land over the entirety of Live Alive with how much I cared about it. Ooh, I can't do that. Ooh, oh, no. I'm, sure, I'm, I'm sure you can't, but like... Like, with just... I love that moment too, don't get me wrong. I love make sure Waddle D is okay, choose to sacrifice self. Adore that. On the other hand, just what Live Alive does, and specifically what it does for video games, is just, that's so tied to reasons that I love video games and adore video game storytelling. Yeah, it, it, it's just a, a connection I don't have with the game. Like, ha ha playing that in 2022, seeing homages to things I've seen over and over and over again, like, I can see the... I can see the impact that it had on various creators. But even then, I do feel like that impact is a little overblown for how well the game sold at the time. Like, it didn't invent any of these stories. It didn't invent the ideas it had. It didn't, but it invented the ways that they connected with each other and created a foundation. I, I'll be honest and say I don't think that there are any entirely new ideas in the universe i don't think there ever was oh yeah what's the saying there's only like seven original stories yeah something like, like that. that yeah i don't want to ever decry something for being too derivative if it is derivative and that's your main complaint that means it did not do it well enough no i, I agree but i also don't think it is fair to uh, praise a uh, game uh, for being an, an inspiration for others in the same the same way almost like the the, the derivatization can't be like multi-layered like if they, this isn't derivative of this but these things are derivative of that and that gives this thing value like that doesn't go both ways no i i'm not saying like because i like bravely default just pulling a random example that makes live alive a better game i i don't believe that what i'm saying is that i appreciate the strength of Live Alive, and I appreciate that simple, untainted story that it is telling. It's like if they made an offshoot brand of soda that has that is more specific to my tastes, but I still appreciate the original taste of that original soda. Here's a different way I can approach this. Like, can I say some things that would like get Orsted to that point for me? Because I, okay. I have a few in mind. Yeah, go the for it. Because, like, uh, like, one of the big ones popping out in my mind is that I wish they had developed, like, Orsted and Strabo, ha Strabo having a friendship, like, in any meaningful way. Because, like, a lot of the reason that I don't feel much towards 
Orsted losing all these things is because they're wasn't much time spent with it in the first... I get the I get the limitations of, like, the game that it came from. Obviously, you don't have that much time to spend anything. But just... I didn't even realize they were friends until, like... It was directly mentioned to it. I thought he was just a random guy following you around. Maybe a rival or something like that. But when Strabo was like, How could you could portray me as your friend? It was like, we were friends? Really? I didn't catch on that. I'm gonna have to go through the script and see if Strabo ever says my friend now. Just out of petty <laughs> anger. It won't take you very long to get through the script, which is another thing. <laughs> yeah, but it's really good that I mentioned the part about the ambic pentameter. No, it, it, like, <laughs> it impresses me, but that's more of like the medieval chapter in of itself. Orson doesn't get to claim that for himself. That's the medieval chapter in all of it. That's, that's yeah, yeah, but he gets that's... to claim doing it. He gets to sound no, yeah, really yeah. pretty when he says the words. Like, I'm just complimenting freaking uni for character voice. I'm not going to back down and say, oh, because Orsted is from this region, I guess the, you know he doesn't have a character voice that's unique. No, screw that. Now, who cares if it's unique? I care about if they like, show emotion. Like, Orsted's probably the best voice acted character in Live Alive. Do I want to make that claim? Um, I think, he, I think he had the most impactful emotional moments. Strabo, I'll argue for, because he screamed really good. He did scream really good. I will give you that. And I fucking love Mad Dog. Okay, but that's... That, I, th- I think that's more of just... That's <laughs> one of the most attractive voices I've ever heard. He's so good at it! <laughs> He's so good at it! <laughs> this is fun. I'm glad we're doing this. No, yeah, right. Like, I, I, I don't know how this is going to end up, and I don't know where things are going to break. This is genuinely exciting to me. This is good content! Exactly! Well, it's my cut, and I'm not cutting Orsted. Okay, so I basically... Oh, God, I have to convince you to cut a share or King DDD, because I... Okay, okay I'll, I'll talk a bit about Odin, then. Just okay. Bit, well, let, let, me make, let me sell my piece on Odin. All right. So, so Norse mythology obviously has a lot of tension behind it to get things right. Like, not only is it a mythology that's existed for hundreds and hundreds of years, it also is directly competing with, like, the MCU, which has very ingrained interpretations of how these characters are supposed to be, quote-unquote. Yeah. I mean, it's tricky to avoid that. How do you avoid, like, falling into those tropes of just being like, oh yeah, Thor's gotta be the pretty boy who's always does the right thing, but he's a bit of a meathead. Odin's gotta be this charismatic leader that's also just very old, but very wise. Odin, in God of War Ragnarok, introduces himself to you by sending Thor to your house. You get that, like, trailer shot of him, like, his ha- it's like behind like his holster of this hammer he goes to like prepare to throw it this scene i have seen so yeah and, and he and he just stops being like hey i brought beer want to talk and it, it's it's just complete tonal whiplash and it's wonderful but you understand why as soon as odin walks through the door they gave him like this smarmy like mafia boss personality in this game his build is so limber in this game like, surprisingly so. Just, just, like, the last thing you'd expect from just Norse mythology in general. And, like, you'd expect some sort of leader to have, a, a, like, a really deep commanding voice in this era. But he's very, he's very soft-spoken. He's, he's got that, he's got that kind of accent of, oh, how do I describe that accent? Oh, my gosh. Being like, he, he's always talking down to you, but in a very charismatic way. But like, oh, you, you, you silly Billy. Let me, let me tell you why you're wrong here. Yeah, I, I, I don't want to say transatlantic, with but... you. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm, I'm here to make peace. He get, gets Thor and Kratos to fight each other, and he invites Atreus to Asgard. 
Mm-hmm. Odin is one of the most manipulative bastards I've ever seen, and it's such, such a good interpretation of the character, and a good villain to have in a video game. Because I feel like when they try, every time of the time I've tried seeing media try to do something like this, I'll, I'll throw out Sauron from Rings of Power here, because they tried to do something similar. They'll have the character start manipulating, but they, like, won't trust the audience enough to, like, realize they're being manipulated. And they'll throw out something, oh, wait, look, Sauron's creeping on Galadriel and that now, clearly he's the bad guy, look out, red flags. And they never commit wholeheartedly to it. At the point I'm at in the story right now with Odin, I honestly, like, kind of believe him, which is terrifying to me, because, like, I know the effects that he's had on the world around him. Like, you're carrying Mimir's severed head with you everywhere you go. You have, you're often traveling with his estranged wife, who he's outright locked away to one realm, like, trapped in an abusive relationship. I, I know all of these things, but he's just the most charismatic bastard I've ever seen. The moment where Atreus gets to Asgard... Um, he meets, um, the god Heimdall. You know Heimdall? Yes. Like the, like the story behind it. He can look at you and understand your whole character. Yes. Like, at first, Heimdall wasn't even gonna let him in, into Asgard because he can tell that Atreus is going to portray Odin, and he, he loves Odin. He doesn't want to let you do that. Yeah. Odin stops Heimdall and Atreus mid-fight and starts berating Heimdall, and Heimdall's being all like, but sir, he's going to portray you, and then Odin's like, of course he is! Why else would he come here? And as Heimdall's just kind of flustered from all of that, he just turns to Atreus and goes like, Okay, look, Atreus, was coming here and killing me the first thing you were going to do when you arrived? No? See, look, it's fine. Come on. I want to talk to you. Mm-hmm. It is such a, just a wonderful self-confidence to this character of just, like, understanding people to the point that he can bend them whichever way he desires. And I love that as a villain so much. He, like, he... I don't know at this point in the story if he knows that, like, Kratos is going to die and Atreus is trying to stop that. But whether or not he knows, he is playing Atreus like a fiddle with that information. Constantly telling him, like, oh, no, I'm, I'm not trying to make war. I'm, I, I genuinely want to help and save everybody. It's a, a kind of a for the greater good kind of character, but he does it in a way that, like, you understand. He presents this, this mask. And like, I, I, I feel like if I could just understand this, this mystic mask, the magic that's coming off of it. Like, if we could do this, we could save everybody. I'm like, you want to save everybody, don't you, Atreus? Don't you want to live in that world? I'm, I'm paraphrasing. He, he words it much better than I do. Right, of course. You're selling me pretty hard on the character. I'm not going to lie to you. I have the utmost respect for a story that is willing to make their villains likable and understandable at the same time. That is so hard to do. Because you, you, like, you need to have a trait that the villains have to fight against. Let's see. Done. Richard Schiff. What else have you done, sir? Wow, not much. New actor. Wow. Ah, he's so good at it. Like, he'll, he'll constantly chip away at, like, Atreus's knowledge that he has of what Odin's done. Like, Atreus will outright says, like, you're not what I expected. And Odin will kind of just laugh it off and say, well, with the feedback you're getting from my estranged ex-wife, I'm sure you haven't been in the most pleasant of company when it comes to just opinions about me. Right. Like, acknowledging that, yeah, there's negative about me, but, like acknowledging it, but pushing past it to show, like, look at all the positive things I'm doing. And, like, they're genuinely positive things at the same time. It allows the player to be right there with Atreus, just utterly confused about, like, okay, eh, do I want to betray this guy? I'm not sure. Like, Heimdall meets him later and is just flabbergasted because, like, wow, you really don't know what you're doing here anymore. (laughs) So this is the issue? Because this sounds like a character that I would really like. I'm confident you would adore Odin in this game. I am very confident. Thor at the same time as well. This is a complete tangent right now, 
But like, have you seen Thor's boss fight? I have not, dude. He, like, he, he'll like punch Kratos, like hit him into the ground. You'll have a game over screen, and Thor will go, "No, we're not done." And he'll he'll cut back to the camera as he's defibrillating you with his hammer. Oh, I do love like, that. Like top five oh. moments of 2022 gaming, right there. It's just, oh, oh, that's my God. beautiful. Thor's so good. Oh, that's great. And Odin's just so rude to Thor, and Atreus is like, "Hey, how come you are just just?" Why don't you try being nice to him? And Odin's like, honestly, it's the only language he understands, man. Like, you can you can try. I, I have, but like, mm. that's fabulous. On the other hand, if I cut him now, I have the exact top three I want. I I, I would feel sick to my stomach <laughs> to claim that any Xenoblade ra- games writing is better than God of War. <laughs> well, I I'm might not, I'm, not compl- I'm not claiming its writing is better. I'm just claiming that I finished the game and I get to really like this one character. It's funnier if I just say nothing about her. Oh no, no! But like, I, I don't think there's anything you could say about a show. I, 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 I've seen a couple of your conversations about Discord, and she does sound like a funny character. But like, no funny anime character is going to beat a genuinely well written and well thought out character to me. Um, I think the only way I can do this is just to go over a share's full story. Go so I think I will do so. Uh, so you meet a Shara. And she is fighting an enemy unit. You're basically outlaws for the entire game, so every unit is an enemy unit. But she's fighting people who are on the same side of the war as her, based on her uniform. And you're like, what is that? And she's like, oh, hey, yeah, anyway, um, I'm the commander of that base, and they're all trying to kill me. Do you guys want to help me kill all of them? And you're like, what? 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 What is it? Are, are you, like, insane? And she's like, Maybe, but it'd be really good. You see, we're all a group of people who just are outcasts from others because we're too good at fighting. And we really, really love fighting. So this is like simultaneously an exercise for them to see if they can beat me. And also I piss them off. So if you could help me, that would do me a great solid. And Uni is right there to go, that sounds fucking stupid. And she's like... I like you. You tell it how it is. Up top, girl, let's go. So you do that, and it's very fun, and she's just a real death seeker, known far and wide through the world as utterly suicidal in her tactics, where Uni actively goes, do you want to die? And she goes, with no sincerity and the best voice acting in the game, yep, I want to (laughs) die. And it is, oh, it's such a beautiful character-establishing moment, especially with how little death means in the Xenoblade universe. But then you get her quest, and it is annoyingly far in the game. I had to wait forever and then backtrack in order to get it and spent way too long figuring out where it is to activate it. But she looks over some ruins And suddenly she starts feeling some pain in her neck and is like, oh, oh, that's really bugging me. So then she goes back to her colony because they're like, oh, there's there's some fighting and they're struggling. And, you know, before we had to fight it out with everyone, but it's cool now. We're all cool now because I won. And just great comments from her all around like, all right, guys, time for a suicidal charge. What? Time for a brave, brave charge, wherein we will all tactically survive if we're good enough. The issue that she comes across is that they're essentially fighting the consoles who are 
They all have one superpower, basically, and the one that they're fighting is, oh, we can revive corpses, and the corpses will fight, so they're fighting an infinite war. And she is like, this would be a really lame way to die, not gonna lie, because then I'm not dying because of honor or anything like that or because I was overwhelmed. It's because I kept fighting and they just kept coming and there was nothing I could do about it that would suck. So the console comes down and is like, hey, okay, I see that like this way would probably suck for you to die. So how about we have a duel and that and one of us will die and that way I'll restore my honor because you're a bitch. And Ashera is like, that sounds great. I I guess we can do that. And then she gets very somber about the whole thing for whatever reason. And Uni goes to check on her and is like, what's up with that? You, you're, you're, you're my fun murder friend. Why aren't you being fun murder friend? And Cher goes, if I asked you right now, could you kill me? I think I'd like that if you killed me now. And he was like, that sounds stupid. Why would you ask that? And she goes, oh yeah, no, nah, that, that does sound stupid. That's not bad at all. Never, never mind, never mind. And then you go to the duel and there's another one and they have brainwashing powers. And because of course they fucking do. And they have a spider motif and I'm weak for that. The spider puppet motif because like, yes, yes, feed me that. And they're a nothing character, but shut up. The, the important thing is they have brainwashing power, and they brainwash Ashera. And now that she's fighting you without limitations or for sport, she's hard. It's a 6v1, and she's still kicking ass, or she would be if I weren't grossly overleveled. And your guys are like, we could win, but like, we'd kill her, and that's a bad thing. And then Yuni's like, I got this, and she shoots Ashera right in the face. And she goes... I know you'll live that. That would be lame if you died like that. And Shara goes, damn, you're right. It would be lame if I died like that. But God, you made me feel alive again. That's so cool. And they beat the console who betrayed them, yada yada and whatever and whatnot. And then you get this wonderful heart to heart between Uni and Ashera, where Ashera is just looking out and is going, you know, you remember that time you died, right? And she's like, what? And he's like, yeah, I see it too. Um, anyway, they didn't used to just like, you know, send you off. It used to be if you got all the way to your 10th birthday, they would just execute you. They would just chop off your head. And you know, that, that would be it. You'd be gone. No glory from it. No nothing from it. And the thing is that, yeah, I've been there and there's still nothing. And the pain that is in her neck is a constant reminder of her previous decapitation. And every time that the pain gets gr greater, every time that she grows older, she ends up losing more of herself to that pain, to that desire, to that need to feel alive again and find death. So her entire character for this point is constantly seeking death so that she can lose herself in battle without losing herself entirely. Because she is one of the few characters, due to lasting that long, that remembers this cycle of death and rebirth that's at the heart of Xenoblade. And she's like, that's why I asked you to kill me, because if, if you killed me, that'd be pretty cool. And Yuni's like, alright, I'll kill you. But in return, you have to kill me, and we'll die at the same time, so that we can be together in the next one. And we'll keep that going, alright? And what I love about this character is not just that she's charismatic. Is not that she's the only defender in this whole fucking game that I find fun to play, their class. 
holy shit, the defending classes in Xeoblade are bad. That's it's, true for all of them. But she has a fun one, because she has, like, a bow staff with the spikes at the end, a big laser naginata, but double. And she spins it, and it creates a feel. It's, it's fun. It's fun. Shut up. It's fun. <laughs> but what I love about this is it takes all of the elements of Xenoblade Chronicle 3's story. All of those elements of the cycle of death and rebirth, of finding purpose, of being able to live again and again, of living in the now versus trying to survive for your future. It takes all of that and it gets embodied into this one character who I actually like. And then she has a girlfriend now at the end. And they play off of each other fantastically. And like, I know that this is essentially a side character. But this character is everything I like about Xenoblade Chronicles 3. It is the entirety of its story, and for once, it's well told. It's aptly done. It's a beautiful little story that I would change nothing about and was constantly surprised by. Well, you are definitely selling me on liking this character. I, I will say that. For, for obvious reasons. Yeah. It's hard for me because there is nothing that I dislike about this story. And there's a lot that I dislike about Xenoblade characters' stories. There's a lot that I dislike about even characters we have discussed today's stories. But Ashera, I don't have any problems with. So it, it's hard for me to go, yes, I can cut this character. I feel exclusively positively about them. I mean, if we're talking that way, I felt the same way about Atreus. That's it's, it's kind of what happens when you get into the top fives of these sorts of lists. Well, yeah, but I finished my story. I don't need to to break them this high. Hmm. See, I, I am in an awkward place where, like, I am enjoying everything I'm hearing about Ashera. Mm -hmm. I'm also regretting crying Atreus over her. Because, <laughs> like, like she, she does sound fun, but it's... No, I'll fight for... Is it, is it... I'll fight for being the embodiment of a story while also being your own character. I'll fight for that over... I did not finish the game yet, though. Like, no doubt we have this conversation in two months that there is a different conversation to be had. You know what? Okay, I'll, I'll, I will take that. Because, like, I, I can't argue this properly without having finished the game. Because I know there's no way in hell I would ever care enough about a Xenoblade character over, across both the games I have played and the games I have seen and the games I have not. I, I, I just don't like Monolith Soft writing in general enough for that. I, I, I think God of War Ragnarok is one of the best written games I've ever played, just period, with some of the best characters I've ever seen. But I haven't finished it, so I can't make that argument. I really so would I need to see that. I really need to see the writing style, because I know that I do... You, know, you have a preference for Western writing styles, and I, I wouldn't say I have a preference for Japanese writing styles, but I'm at least, I would say, more well-versed in them. I, I have an active dislike for a lot of them, I will admit. Like... Yeah, I, I, I feel like a lot of the times with Japanese writing styles, I'm getting presented an idea of a character and watching them go through the same thing over and over again, rather than an actual human character I can empathize with. The strengths to both, obviously, but I, I just have a preference. No, I, I, I get you. I, I understand that. Like, just to take the obvious current example of One Piece, I get how that applies to Luffy entirely. At well, the I, same I, no, but I, I can even say that about, like, Usopp. Like, I love Usopp, but, like, gee, he's in a new island and he's scared of it. I can't wait to have him to have his moment of where he's, he wants to run away, but then, he, no, he's not going to run away. He's going to stand tall and do something that's both hilarious, amazing, and slightly self-destructive. I'm invested in the character. He only does that, like, three times. I feel like it's been more than that. 
No, he does it Arlong Park. He does it Dress Rosa, and he does it Alabasta. Water Seven. I, I, obviously, he's devoid of that. I mean, isn't that like a hyperextension? That though, he 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 just he he had it so badly that he disassociated and became somebody else. <laughs> oh, shut up and let him have a win. He's Usopp. <laughs> it's why I love him. But okay, w- with that point forward, I'll I'll concede on Odin. But I can't wait to talk to him in f- future months. I'm I'm gonna just have a spiel. Like I'm, I'm probably not gonna finish it by February, but in March, just like oh my gosh, I can't wait to talk about all of these characters. Oh, I'm I'm absolutely sure. You want to do a share of four Odin three? Hmm. If, you want to do a share of four Odin three? If I can confidently get Orsted and Deity as one and two, I'll concede that to you. Oh fuck. <laughs> Because I'll because t- I want to do the Orsted Deity debate. <laughs> oh no! Because obviously, if I cut a share here, I'll force you to cut Odin. If you do anything else, then fuck you. Whoever's against Odin gets number one. Oh, so, sorry. Explain it to me again. I got okay from that. <laughs> I'll cut a share for four. If you cut Odin for three, and then we'll do a debate. If I cut a share and you cut anyone else. Then fuck you, whoever is not Odin gets to win, and I will be mad at you. And no one gets to have fun. Or I cut Odin here. And I cut a Shara, it goes, then it goes DDD, and then it goes Orsted. Oh. How do you feel about people making lists that say the design dorks top ten characters of the year? And DDD's not number one. Oh. Oh, and Xenoblade's over, God of War. Oh, no. Oh, boy. <laughs> oh, God. You know, we, we could just simplify this and say that our number one character is, in fact, King K. Rule. <laughs> no, because then he'd be re- relevant in the year of 2022. That's and my I, point. I that. That's my point. <laughs> then I'll let you have Oda number two. <laughs> I, I don't think I. I'll remove a sheriff from two. the list if Kaylo no, no, can be yeah, one. No, after how much you said about Orsted, I'd put. Well, like the debate in my head is DDD versus Orsted for number one and two. Like Odin's not going any higher than that. Okay, I'll cut a share here if you'll cut Odin at three. I will do that. Okay, I'm fine with having that debate. Done. A share of four, Odin three. I'm just glad that I could give her a debate and let people know my new ship of the year. <laughs> okay, but like devoid of any of the debate, can we just talk about how good DDD was in Forgotten Land first, though? We had a whole video like, on it, but yes. I mean, yes, but like it was so good, though. It was so good. It There's was a reason we made a video about that. Like, God, I, I don't have to... video. Okay, shut the fuck up. I've been playing that for years. <laughs> like, you know why that's not existing, and that's not because I don't care. It's because no one would watch. I mean, you say that. But you would have said that about Crunch. Even less people than I'm expecting really viewing Crunch. Thumbnail with huge letters saying pain or misery <laughs> or something like that. And it'll just work. Because YouTube. So fucking mad. I'm not, but I am. <laughs> the cranky thumbnail is so much funnier. But it's harder to read from a thumbnail size. It's still legible. I explicitly made it legible. You can read recommended this wow with no issue. 
I mean, I don't know what to tell you. That's just, just that's just YouTube. <laughs> yeah. King Deity is a character that I will love for the entirety of my life. Seeing him grow over these years and having something tie it all together is utterly, utterly incredible. And the fact that he's been able to be given this spotlight in and of itself is incredible. He is a character that I feel represents the strength of continual writing and support. He is a collection of stories and life. Orsted is that tied into a singular package in one game. He is the strength of a single myth being told absolutely perfectly. Dedede is a collection of myths being told absolutely perfectly with one climax. They are two different brands of storytelling done insanely well. These are easily my top two. I think after Soul Searching, I would give it to Orsted, but I think that there is an argument for either based on what you value in storytelling itself. I concede the floor. <laughs> how how the hell am I supposed to follow that up? Okay. Parallel DDD could have been a better boss fight. I, if sure, <laughs> I, look, I count, I count gameplay in this too. Okay, well, if you're talking gameplay, like the DDD picking up a pillar with relative ease, tossing around like such a breeze. The fact that the way that his transformation worked in this game allowed him to have the best theme song he has ever had. Ooh, DDD like, destroyer Z. Roar of DDD, man, he chants his own theme song. You can't top chanting your own theme song, uh, man. I really love Deity Destroyer Z. Oh, no, I agree with that, but, like... The motifs of Kirby's triumphant return screams? in there. I know when he screams, but also there's... It's such a good bit, and it's... Musically. Like, is Roar of Deity absolutely the perfect enhancement of Macho of Deity? 100%. Just the way they allowed his character to grow into what it is without actually sacrificing who he is. That, that's so hard to do, narratively. It's so easy to just kind of just shift, like, oh no, they're, the, 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 see, Vegeta's a good guy now. He don't, don't forget about how he just, just murdered a bunch of people. He's, he, look at, look how, look how funny he is in this scene. I've never seen Dragon Ball. I have no idea if that's accurate or not, but. Um, like 50% accurate? But on the other hand, wow, you just, like, destroyed one of his best character moments. Okay, fair enough. But the fact that he's, after all this, he's still a selfish bastard that is still having his Waddle Dee's weight on them, but he's commanded so much respect that they're happy to do that? Or Stitt has some really good diagonal attacks that hit AoE really nicely. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay to, to give him an accolade on gameplay... I love that his ultimate move is darkness-based. I love that if you grind him up to level 16, his final move is uh, is Hash's uh, sending them to the hell dimension attack. Oh, it is? Yeah. Oh, that's neat. I love the idea of he has become so consumed with that that he turns to violence and darkness and it becomes reflective of his own strength. And how Hash has been struggling with that and how that's a nice parallel. Love that. So my brain is currently at a point where I... I, I know I'm not going to get you to 
like give up on Orsted. And I, I'm I'm just slowly trying to start accepting that, but it's just trying to. Well, I mean, you come, could come to terms. You could be an with, immovable force. Well, yes, but I think we just we just go nowhere. Because because like what you're because like the the ideal that you're arguing, I don't think DDD can top. Like like how, how you're approaching this perspective. The problem is, it's just not a perspective that I share, which is where this becomes difficult. And like I, I respect your opinion too much to like just try to throw it away. No, I, I so understand. I, <laughs> I, I, I don't feel that you're trying to throw it away. So let me let me try and contextualize this in a different sense. Um, can, can I say one thing first, just because I'm going to forget otherwise? One thing that you said stood out to me is that Orsted was the perfect way to say this, whereas this was the perfect moment for DDD. I, I find it hard to stomach that this was the perfect way to tell this sort of story with Orsted. I feel like it's, it, it, that kind of gets into why perfection is impossible, but I feel like, like, there's more you could do with, like, like an updated medium, more time to, like, really flesh out characters. Like, you could hit, make these moments hit so much harder. I'm not sure I can entirely agree with that, because just the idea of pacing. I understand the desire to go through that and explore that further, but one, I just value the tightness of live alive storytelling. And two, you also skip that part of the game. This is true. This is true. How much of Orsted's story isn't like the optional content? Um, you get to talk to the souls know, of I, everyone I he souls. killed. I looked yeah. that up. It it is that. Oh, that's oh yeah. I I don't, I don't know. Like all all that stuff. There is nothing in Orsted's story. That surprises me. That's like, I, I feel like if you had come up to me and brought up like, it, actually, I, I take that back wholeheartedly. The fact that everything's written in iambic pentameter is insane, and I can't believe they did that. Mm-hmm. That's surprising as hell. But like, for the framework of what his story is, it is exactly what I would expect it to be. Well, I understand that. While I feel that the actual execution would be expected, I don't feel that them executing it in that way would have been expected. I don't I don't feel that Live Alive has ever shown its hand, so to speak, that they would be going in that direction for Orsted naturally. Mm-hmm. And and like I, I, I was kind of I, I'm trying to put myself in the shoes of somebody who played that game for the first time at the time. Cause like how it was setting itself up as like just okay, this is the generic Dragon Quest chapter. Mm-hmm. And just that, that that turning point of killing the king, that was fantastic. Yes, that that was like the the heel turn of like, okay, live, live. I, I'm respecting what you're doing now. Hell yeah! Right. I love that uh, you can storm the castle back again and just talk to the chancellor, and he will immediately recognize you as a new king to save his life. Just everything that he initially denounced you for is like, no, no, of course you've been manipulated. You're fine. You you want to just like I can I can be your chancellor. That's that's cool. This is this is a weird parallel, but it popped into my head. I remember when we were discussing the Smash Brothers move sets, debating Captain Falcon versus K. Rule, and that, that there was something I, I remember this clearly. You saying that if we put Captain Falcon above K. Rule, we're kind of saying that nothing can ever top this thing from the past. Hmm. Ah. Well, if it isn't my own petard. Because, like, it, for what it is, I feel like it's unbelievably well done. But I also feel like you could do this way better nowadays. Like, with how much games have evolved, how much you can, more you can mess with, like, narratives and gameplay and storylines. Well, why haven't they? I, I love uh, God, because it's not safe to do so. Why, why would they? 
because it's, it's been what since 94 28 years also yes they did that was kind of basically as real story i was just going to say how would you compare it to flowey i like flowey more no fuck you i like orsted more that's fair but like I, <laughs> undertale's very often sitting in my number one game of all time like that, that that's not a because I understand why Flowey is the way he is. Mm-hmm. That they, they, they throughout the game that like build up like what happened to him, how he ended up the way he is, and the tragedy of his situation. Like how he, yeah, it's Asriel, but he can't feel a goddamn thing anymore. On the other hand, I would argue that you don't know why Kara is the way they are. I feel like Kara is the stronger analog to Orsted. I don't care about Kara though. Okay. And you care about Orsted, therefore making him the victor. Ha ha! I mean, I don't really care about Orsted. Like, as a care, I, I love the story he tells. I love the, the myth that he's presenting. You just I told me, like, one of Orsted. the best moments was him breaking free and doing the final thing in the Gigalomania. Yeah, yeah. You care about that, therefore you care about Orsted, making me the victor. Ha ha! As a, Rematch? As a, I have the will a, of the warrior. I win again. Ha ha! Uh, as, as a character, I don't know him. I don't know why he wanted to be that. Like, did, did he love the princess as well, or is it just something he felt like he had to do? Why were he and Strabo friends? Wait, what caused that? Did he ever look up to Hatch? Hatch the Hash. Hash. Yes. Hash. I remember because it's a very stupid name. Whereas I've been with DDD every step of his journey. <laughs> I know exactly why he thinks the way he thinks. I know what it but took you, to reach you that point. You were born for Avalanche. I meant adventure. Shit. <laughs> it was a three-syllable A word, okay? It's close enough. I, I, God damn, I love mythology too much. I think I respect the passion you were putting forward, trying to spin it as a myth. <laughs> At least to a point that I'm willing to concede the arguments given that we've been talking for like three hours not two hours for it and we have other things to do in the podcast uh, that's cool we can have deity at one you sure no but i thought it'd be funny if i said that no i, I feel like you brought the better arguments for orsted and I, I feel like that should win in these sorts of discussions that is what i would value the most in these sorts of videos it should be the points and not necessarily the feeling. And I think you made the better point for Orsted. Well, I disagree with that assessment. I say denying my own victory <laughs> because I feel like if you feel something strongly enough, if you are allowed to let that resonate, then that passion should mean something. I, I feel like articulation is incredibly important and absolutely necessary for conveying points. But I feel like if, like if you have that passion, you should dive in and really take it. I I, I agree with that wholeheartedly. But this isn't a like the pa the passion for DDD is there. That the disconnect I'm having and the reason I'm willing to concede it is the comparative lack of interest in Orsted and recognizing that I I'm just not not there. Like I, I had to go through a, like my game catalog three times. Remember? Oh yeah, Orsted. I should put him on my list. Yeah, let's let's go let's go with that. It's just not something I really thought about it and I think that but it's probably like what you said I just don't have as much of a preference towards like Japanese style stories we have, say have, like, when with games... King Dedede the western juggernaut 
Because the reason I like just the Western style storytelling more is that they actually give more time for characters to just like have those small interactions and not overblow them. I, I say that, that not not meaning it necessarily as an insult, but they like, like lots of video games, anime, etc. They try to uh, present. Yeah, here's this overarching conflict, and they kind of fight with their emotions. If that's, I don't know. This isn't something I had to I had to articulate before. Well, no, no, no. In Japanese media, in general, well, I feel like in almost all media, if you're good, then it should be a battle of ideologies. And which one yes. winning out being a matter of a combination of tactics and implementing it and spirit behind it. Much like what we're doing now. Deciding if JRPG character from 94 and Penguin from 92 is the best character of 2022. But, uh, you know, anime and just in general, the storytelling of JRPGs and things that take inspiration from anime are a bit more, I would say, literal about that spirit. Mm-hmm. I don't believe most of the characters in these storytellings are actually like characters I could interact with, if that makes any sense. Because they're they're too... They embody what they're trying to embody too wholeheartedly. Like, uh, it's a random example. Uh, uh, Dragon Quest XI, Silvano. I love that character. But like, he embraces what he is so hard that it becomes... It, it becomes a caricature. More so than a character. Nah, dude, I've been to parties with that person. <laughs> hundred percent. I, I need to go to better parties then. <laughs> Bro, I work in theater. I know that person. You know what? That's that's a very fair point. <laughs> and you know, that's the thing. I I don't know. I grew up with a lot of character role play. And specifically for Japanese properties, and I feel like I always feel that when I view a character, I am viewing them in the window of and the Basically, the camera is focused on them from their storytelling perspective. I always believe that there's more to a character, and I enjoy that, but I'm always engrossed in how their character and the story meld together. For example, this year's Xenoblade Chronicles 3, I loved the character of Triton. I thought that was a super fun character. I loved him so much. I did not include him on this list, because even though I could believably hang out with that character, I did not feel his meshing with the story very much strongly at all. I mean, I, I understood it, and I was able to extrapolate things from it and whatnot, and understand that, but I didn't put him on. But I could, like, I could fill in the blanks for everything that the game isn't telling me thus far. Mm -hmm. The excitement to me is seeing how they interact with the medium, how the character and the story are married together. And I do think that... Dedede and Orsted do that fantastically, despite Dedede not having a goddamn line to his name other than her. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. He also has her, but you know, kind of, kind of to parallel that. Growing up, I've always been like I, I essentially grew up with Lord of the Rings being my bible. Like world building and how a character exists in that world has always been the the number one thing I look for. I love being able to see a character, see a world be able to picture exactly what a character would do in situations and how the world would still be continue going on when he's left it. And uh, I don't think... It's interesting because, like, no individual Kirby game does enough to do that, but through the course of its history, DDD has had enough of that to, like, fully flesh out and give him this overarching story that has such a phenomenal payoff in The Forgotten Land. Really, it's, it was up until Brawl. And it's like, okay, I'm yeah. starting to get it. There we go. Yeah, yeah. 
from that perspective, I can understand how Orsted would fall short for you. Yeah, yeah. Like, I, I, I can see what's so great about it, because like, I, I felt the same way when I was going through his story. But, like, for, for a character that I love, for a character I would enjoy, I would want so much more from him to, like, just make those moments hit harder. I would have wanted more interactions with him and the princess, like, actually develop a relationship instead of being like, oh, we knew each other for five minutes, but we're in love, and now I'm going to kill myself because this other person I knew for five minutes is now dead. But I, 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 still, I still think the ideas there are solid. It's just from a storytelling perspective, they don't land with me. I can feel that, but, like, that's not myth to me. From the framing of the storytelling perspective, I could understand how you would want that, 100%. But I feel like in the way the story is being told, in the idea and the myth, and just the thought of how stories are told, that's all very well considered. Like, I can't hold that against him, because I feel like it is deliberate, and I agree with the choice of the deliberation. You can't bring up myth again after I was talking about Lord of the Rings. That's so, that's that's cheating. <laughs> if they told you that the world was created by song, and then they told you every note of the song, and that they got some notes wrong, and they're like, "Hang on, hang on, let me tune the song a bit." Because ah. like, if somebody came up to me saying like, "Hey, is Baron a good character from Baron and Luthien?" I'd be stumped because like you don't really like, get any interactions with him, but like the overarching story and plot because of that myth is. Ah, fuck, you won. Hey, that was what you needed. <laughs> yeah. I did it. Everyone, we did it! We killed King Dedede! He gets a silver trophy. That's actually fitting for him. He's always the silver at Kirby's gold. Yeah! Even at your most shining moment, you don't get to shine! Orsted killed another king! <laughs> Congratulations! Orsted Live Alive! The best character! of 2022 and now for my award for the worst character of 2022 it's bayonetta okay moving on <laughs> i can't yeah yeah moving on oh wow this is actually a guided episode there's news right future sites future sight okay let's run through this okay yeah there's not much right yep uh, okay. Geralt, Doomslayer, and Deku coming to Fortnite. Probably already out in Fortnite. At this point, yeah. Yeah. Like, neat. I love Deku. That's cool. Still not gonna play it. I just wanted to see if I said Deku, you'd be like, huh? <laughs> oh. No, th th there, there might be a My Hero Academia out there, a character out there that would do it for me. But you'd, you'd have to be able to, like, launch yourself around as Lamillion or something. Like, go through the floor and just pop out randomly. That would be fun, and I would might consider playing Fortnite for that. Fortnite, I'll give you a deal. You put Joey Wheeler from Yu-Gi-Oh! in, and I'll play you. <laughs> Good deal? Good deal. We're done. I, I bet you there's a marketing... It's one person part of their marketing team that's just looking for claims like that, trying to get as many people as possible. This is... Yes, that's my gambit. That's my thought. Let's see, uh, custom item mode was made available in Mario Kart 8 Deluxe, along with uh, Expansion Pass 3 or whatever. And I just think that's cool. That's neat, yeah. That's yeah. A, that's a... The mind obviously goes immediately to the all-blue shells race, but there's a lot of just unique race types that you can do. Or just disable coins as an item. Yes. I feel like that just makes it better overall. Yes. Uh, Yuji Naka has been arrested for the same crime, but different this time. Because it was insider training for Final Fantasy instead of Dragon Quest. Oh. Uh, he has since been convicted. So, yeah. 
was it because they found evidence, or is it because it was like there was a bar that Dragon Quest didn't meet, but Final Fantasy did? Like, I'm I need not... to write these of this, but oh shit, Final Fantasy? No, stop now. <laughs> no, I don't. I don't recall, but I think he was. No, I think it was guilty regardless. It's just the confirmation yep. of yep, uh, probably, probably. There it goes. Uh, Tales of Arise, Beyond the Dawn, and We Love Katamari re-rolls, uh, trademarked in Europe. So these are remakes of Tales of Arise and We Love Katamari. Uh, we Love I Katamari love is the Katamari. best one. Yeah. Yes, I love Katamari so much. Yeah, with King was one of the top ten characters whatever year he came, that game came out. When I... Oh man, I think that was the same year as Metal Gear Solid 3, No Way in Hell. <laughs> it can be ten, whereas one through nine are all Metal Gear. It's fine. Uh, if it's 2004, like I'm thinking of, then also Sly 2 came out that year, and also Paper Mario The Thousand Year Door. I have I've played neither, so my, I, I, I was, I'll, I'll plant this flag until I have forced You to really need to play Paper Mario The Thousand Year Door. I know. It's on the list. It's a big list. I know it's a big list, but like, I am almost certain you would really enjoy that game. I, I, I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure. Um, Activision sues California over Activision lawsuit. The, 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 the clown show continues. Yeah. Just over, like, grief. defamation to create a media frenzy over them. Wow, defamation. Yeah, right? Fuck you, Bobby Kotick. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> you know, I, I, maybe cut this out because this might actually be defamation. <laughs> but... I am definitely going to have to edit this out. However, I think that's fucking funny. <laughs> if I can find a way to do it and research the legality of it, I'm going to do it. I, I <sighs> want to John all over that so bad. God. Alrighty. Um, Game Awards, I'm just going to save that for a second so I can do these shorter stories first. New G Fuel is Great Mighty Fo- Poo flavored from <laughs> Conker's Bad Fur Day, the Great Mighty Poo. Why? What? Don't I, you want to drink the poo fuel? No. It's sweet but corn flavor. I would flavored. love to see. <laughs> I would love to know the sales metrics behind that. Oh. I just want that data point in front of me. I would love to know how. I want to that be was. in the room for who proposed it to them and yes. what their PowerPoint was. <laughs> So you see, the Great Mighty Pooh is a character from Conker's Bad Fur Day, released in 2001. As you'll notice, he's a large pile of uh, fecal matter. And I, I, I just thought people would see this and really think, you know what, I want to drink like that. And so I present you our new G Fuel flavor. I want to see the CEO that approved that. Yeah. <laughs> I want to see the CEO who had to taste test it to go, yes, <laughs> this is good for market. <laughs> Yeah, well, what were the rejects of that? Because they, <laughs> yeah. they probably had to try a few things. Um, they are retiring Ash Ketchum, age 10. Yep. I I honestly thought this would never happen. I know. I didn't know until yesterday what the specifics of the tournament that he won was. But holy shit. Because, uh, do you know the specifics of the final tournament of Ash? Not a clue. Uh, it was only eight competitors, and they were all champions. By which I mean, in order to win, Ash beat, in order, Stephen Stone, Cynthia, and Leon. Nice. And then other champions like uh, Diantha and Lance were also in the tournament. Sorry, who was that first one you just said? I, 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 I can't recall. 
Oh uh, yeah, yeah. Um, I I don't know. I I said some words that I shouldn't have. Um, I could talk about Orsted again. <laughs> Orsted make a great Pokemon champion. He would make a great Pokemon. That champion. would allow for some further development. I'd be down for this. Yeah, he'd have so Give many me an Pokemon spinoff. Yeah, he doesn't need it. He's he, the best he, character of 2022. Just more audio forms yeah, as his Pokemon. Exactly. <laughs> anyway, I, I just think that's neat. Like, in my brain, I don't care about Ash Ketchum, but in my heart, whenever there's news about him, I'm like, oh, Ash did it, though. It hits me harder because, like, Team Rocket's also retiring, right? Along with him. I think so. And that, that's that's devastating to me. That does hurt. James yeah. is like one of my favorite characters, period. I'll have to see because I know that Team Rocket's Japanese Seiyus are very, very devoted to those characters. Like, when they weren't being used in the show, they just made a radio program where they answered mail in character. Most of it being, why aren't you on the show as much? It's <laughs> <laughs> a valid question. You know what's the craziest thing about this? Because I. We're saying we're retiring Ash Ketchum, but he's probably not going to be gone. These new characters might actually find him in the world, and he might have actually aged when they find him. I he might can't. actually, like, Gen 7 Red Ash. It would be insane to just go back and have Ash as a champion fight, like, ten years from now. That would destroy it, me. Like, he, he would be the champion now. If, if they keep consistent world building, like... He would be the final boss there. He is currently the final boss. Like, of the entire Pokemon world, he is now officially the final boss. Oh, oh, man. One more thing before we move on from the story. Have we ever learned the identity of Ash's dad? Only in the musical, which was Giovanni. Okay, I just wanted to, just wanted to know. <laughs> no, there's a fantastic song between Ash and Giovanni, and... Ash is doubting himself, and Giovanni just goes, why don't you ask your mother? And his eyes go wide. <laughs> so, Giovanni in the musical is the voice of Maximilian Pegasus from Yu-Gi-Oh! <laughs> sure. That's just, it. It's just, that's, that's, just that's information that people needed to know. So. Agreed. Um, Zero Wing is finally coming to Steam. What is Zero Wing, you might ask? I would. What is your way? Ah, well, in AD 2101, war was beginning. The captain asked, what happened? And the oh. other person said, someone <laughs> set up us the bomb. A figure appears on the screen, and it says, it's you. The mass figure reveals itself to be Katz, who says, how are you, gentlemen? All your base, All your are base belong, belong to us. To us. Yes. The That's captain, great. incredulous, asked, what you say? Cats respond, you have no chance to survive, make your time. Signing off with ha, 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 ha. I miss poorly translated games. Yes. Best. <laughs> anyway, uh, that game is now, should now be available on Steam. Neat. And like, that's an important enough part of just culture that I think that's worth celebrating. Yo, what if we put cats on the 2023 list? <laughs> Make a note of it. I won't remember, but make a note of it now. Uh, uh, the Rayman 4 source code has leaked online. Holy shit. That is a thing. Yes. Yeah. I never thought I'd, th I'd see this just ever hit the light of day. But yeah, you can finally see like, oh yeah, this was actually supposed to be a real game instead of a poorly cobbled together minigame collection. 
because Miyamoto said, no, you got to release something for the Wii U. No, no, not the Wii U, the Wii's launch window. What do you mean, poorly concocted? Do, do you not remember the rabid cover of Girls Just Want to Have Fun? You you flat out couldn't access some, you couldn't complete the game. It was that buggy. Oh, girls just want to have, just want to have fun. I think there's like four mini games that aren't even accessible, but are in the game. the working day is done. Oh, girls, they want to have fun. Why you hate fun? Because I could have had Rayman 4 instead. I've been waiting for that game since, what, when Rayman 3 came out? 2003? At least two decades, man. Oh, yeah, Rayman Legends or whatever the hell. It's not the same. Oh, boo-hoo, I'm picky. And, like, this would have been the... Because, like, it's, it's obviously a janky mess, but I can see, like, the same, just, like... Rayman style, we're just gonna throw everything at the wall, and even if it doesn't stick, we're gonna keep it, and I I love that about him. With all due respect, I have seen footage of Rayman 2 and 3 now. No, that's not being a janky mess, that's that, that's pretty par for the course. No, yeah, but it's it's the it's the kind of janky mess that's still kind of functional. No, I get you. I get you. We, we need to buff it up to 90%. Not a full 100, but like, what we got now is 60. There's 30% more game than needs to be completed. <laughs> yeah. Sam and Max, The Devil's Playhouse Remastered, coming this year. This is nice. Sam and Max Season 3, and it is their best season. B-Mask has a fantastic video on it that I recommend to anyone. On why should I care about Sam and Max? Well, first off, have you seen two minutes of their dialogue? They're hilarious. One of the best comedy duos in not just gaming, but in general. But then that video will give you extra context on how it works for them as development and story and their characterization. Yes, for gag characters. And then I have in all caps, Checkerboard Chase. That's technically January news. I, I don't care. You know what? That's fair. Okay, yeah, that's what we get for making this late. But like, Checkerboard Chase! Checkerboard Chase! Oh, uh, yeah, it's, it's revealed in Kirby and the whatever. Deluxe. Returns, comes back. Magalore has a whole Pokemon Stadium minigame mode. And they brought back Checkerboard Chase. I am so happy. Words cannot describe. I think I said that this was now a top five Kirby game, just baseline now. I I don't think I'm joking about that. This is... This is formative childhood memories combining with later formative childhood memories, and they're putting them together in the same game and just... Ah, I just wish wish Adeline was in it. If it was Adeline, it'd be perfect. Yep. The only disappointing thing is that there is no online functionality to these games. It's confirmed to just be leaderboards. Aww. Includes the main game as well, unfortunately. Which, understandable, but, I mean, if though. If though. When are they going to make a Kirby party? They've got half the mini games they need already. Like, give me a Kirby party and just kind of build off of these ideas. I'll play that over Mario Party any day. Bro, I do love Mario Party, but you are entirely I right. Do- yeah, but like, imagine doing that with King Dedede, though. <laughs> you could play as Escargoon. Escargoon could be the announcer for the boards. Oh, if Escargoon gave out fucking sparkling stars or whatever the hell. Exactly. It could be so good. Fucking Mark spaces on the board. <laughs> yes. Please. Uh, I shouldn't kid myself. Marks would be playable, and it would be like nightmare spaces. But God, if though, it, 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 it'd be like dark matter. I I don't know anymore. I, Hmm. <laughs> like, at this point, if you told me, oh yeah, there are grill spaces on the board from Kirby Superstar Stacker, I'd be like, okay. 
maybe it, like changes from board to board. You have like boards themed after specific games, and each like Bowser quote unquote space does something completely different. That would be fun. Okay, and then the game awards happened. I mean, they happened in the middle, but like I wanted to save it for now. Um, yeah, I I did just write a list of things like, oh, I care about that. Let oh yes, please, please go ahead because like I have like three things that I cared about. Okay, I will just rapid fire through this. Uh, Dead Cells Castlevania, that's just neat. Yes. I like that. Good job. Yeah. Uh, Returnal is on PC. Thank you. I wanted to play that. Now I can. Cool. Learning the PS5 exclusives are dumb. Uh, Street Fighter Six looks so Street good. Street Fighter Six. Oh my god. All four of those characters that they showed off. First off, crazy that they showed four at the same time. Second what? off, all of them look incredible. God, I'm going to play Marissa. I've I, I seen his design. I was already like, yeah, I think I'm going to play as DJ. But the, there's actually seems to be like a rhythm kind of thing going on with him. Yes, I saw and that. That's my, that's my favorite. Oh, you should play Risei in Persona 4 Arena Ultimax. I probably should. She has a DDR minigame as her super. Also, Marissa's design, her helmet being like just her hair, but it's a gladiator helmet. That's so funny. Oh, did you see her win animation? I, I have not. She takes their unconscious body, carries it off, and presents it to the gods as a god ray shines down on her. Yes! Oh, it's going to be so good. Oh, I want her to beat me up. <laughs> and the fact they showed off like that just that deluge of single player stuff at the same time. Like I I couldn't keep track of all those mini games. The fact that they are turning motions and timing into mini games is brilliant. That's so cool. Like that that is how you onboard. You make Hadoukens competitive. That's some Karate Kid level shit right there. It's my I love it so much. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> if Ryu like, comes up to you and says, you can do a Hudoken. I know you can. Just <laughs> slice the sushi. Sensei, I I, I did it. <laughs> this is going to be a good game. I can't do it. I'm afraid. And Zangief comes in. No, do not give in to fear. 360 motion. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, next up, just a small thing, but there's a game called Viewfinder. Did you see this? It was the, you take a picture, you hold it up, and what's in the picture becomes part of the world, and it's like a puzzle game with that. Oh, oh, that's neat. I think I've seen some games similar, but I can't remember titles. Yeah. Uh, Kirby won a thing. I don't remember what it was, but Kirby won a thing. I believe it was Best Family Game. I, I wanted it to be at least nominated for Game of the Year, but it wasn't. But, like, I, it's, it's he still won, and he deserves it. I know, but, like, God, if if Kirby Music were in the medley they did. That is exactly why! Just, yes. like, imagine, like, after God of War, the chanting of God of War switched to DDD roaring, and just, uh. Oh. <laughs> Not that they need it after the Kirby concert, but it would be nice. It would be nice. Uh, biggest thing by far, holy shit, Hades 2 exists! Yeah, that's pretty I'm cool. so hyped for that. Oh my gosh. I know everyone's really horny, but I'm just like, Dora is so cute. Dora is adorable. That coming off of Supergiant never doing sequels, which to be fair, they didn't do sequels because none of their games were really financially successful. Yeah. But like, I love that world so much. I love all of those characters so much. And this is just going to be more of the same, but better. And I got I can't wait. Yeah. Uh, Jedi Survivor looks neat. That's all I wrote down. Okay. It just, it just looks fun. All right. Uh, Death Stranding 2 exists. I am surprised that this 
actually exists because I thought Kojima had that other project. And I thought that Norman Reyes just went, oh, yeah, that was Death Stranding 2. I didn't think actually Death Stranding 2 was the project. I I am kind of disappointed because I just like to see Kojima's just insanity go all over the place, turn it into a franchise. Oh, don't pretend you know where this is going. Oh, no, I have no idea. Aside from the thing that Castle Super Beast predicted where it's like, the next game will be about sand, and then they'll respell it to look like DNAs. <laughs> which yeah, is 100% I, what is going to happen. Uh, watch, watching trailers of Death Stranding and trying to figure out what the heck was going on was unironically my favorite part of the first game, so I look forward to repeating that cycle with the second. Oh, your favorite part wasn't the part where he's driving on the motorcycle and going, this reminds me of Ride with Norman Reedus available on HBO. Was that an actual thing? I'm- yes. Wow. Yes, he no, plugged is, his that, own show. That is my new favorite. Thing. That is my new favorite. Yeah, <laughs> that's amazing. Uh, sure, HBO probably still exists by then. Yeah. I believe it. I believe uh, they survived it. <laughs> in all caps, Baldur's Gate 3, Minsk, and Boo... I already knew this because there were data mines, but oh, there's there there. If anybody hasn't played Baldur's Gate, I understand. I tried to play it again recently, and it's it's not aged well. But Minsk and Boo are delightful characters. Just look up their voice lines. N- n- let me ask: Did they show Boo? They did not. Oh. Which is probably why Minsk is so angry. Oh, but God, yes, Jim Cummings as Minsk is just an utter delight. I've never played Baldur's Gate, but I have heard his voice lines again and again. The shouts he, of go for the eyes are... He has been for three, though. He has? Yeah. It is Matt Mercer, who is a good actor. No, that's, that's fair. But, like, Jim Cummings, he just did the Colonial All-Star Brawl. You can't have had less money than them. It is... I, I think it's personal problems with... I have intentionally not looked at anything, any of this because I don't want to know if it is true. I, th- I think there's Jim Cummings problems personally, mm, and yeah. Wizards of the Coast is famous for wanting to appear like they're doing something right while actually just being greedy bastards. Y- okay, yeah, no, that makes perfect sense. But I am nonetheless still excited to have me. Minx and Boo is to just lock themselves into my party, which is which sucks because Asterion was already there, and there's not much room left for anybody else. Well, there you go. It's nice to have things predestined. Indeed. Um, I wrote down Aurora with an exclamation point. I can't remember why she was there, but Aurora's a fantastic singer. Nice. That just made me happy. Dopamine. It's yeah. like Alice in Wonderland was real and made music. Um, a just sick Diablo 4 trailer. God damn, that was good. Oh yeah, I remember seeing that. Just full on heaven versus hell. Got to say, I think his name's Narius. Narius? I, I, I don't know. God, I wish... Th- I don't even know if I want that game to be good. There's a part of my heart that wants it to be good. There's a part of my heart that doesn't want it to be good. There's another part that doesn't know what the hell to think. I'm at the point where I'm never touching it, just on principle, so. And I understand people who are already invested. No, please, please, by all means, touch it. I, I, I just have the mindset of, like, thousands of people worked on this. I don't want to sacrifice the work for the, the good for the work of the bad. Oh, no, I'll, I'll gladly celebrate and appreciate it as a piece of art, but not with money. Also, not with Street Fighter Six coming out like a couple days before it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm so excited for that. I will admit, if it's good, Diablo Four will get priority for me. That that is like, hey, brothers, this is what we've been waiting for for years. Not a shot. I'm gonna get good for once. I <laughs> haven't I, done that since I'll, 2012. And I'll come back and still beat you somehow. You absolutely will. <laughs> uh, 
Wild Hearts looks good. It's that's the EA Monster Hunter thing. Oh yeah, yeah, that I thing. can't wait. I can't wait to see how they ruin it. And then uh, two more things. Uh, my favorite thing about these shows is the ending medley. I just want to highlight that. Mm-hmm. You, you so rarely get to de- see like video games like brought together musically in that way, not such a huge scale. Yes, that just warms my heart every time it happens. Yes, also the stray part of it, where I was like, okay, I love the flute guy. The flute guy was so good. Oh, he was going <laughs> off so hard between the flutes in the Xenoblade 3 section. <laughs> I just love that every time they cut to him, he was holding a different instrument. That was yes. so funny. And then oh. uh, Elden Ring dedicated to uh, um, uh, the kid's ex-rabbi Bill Clinton, I think, was his party. Yeah, something like that. Uh, glad Elden Ring won. Yeah, I, I agree with the, with that. Like the, the sheer scope of that game is unparalleled. As much as I respect God of War Ragnarok, I am much happier that a video game-ass video game won the video game awards. Yeah, God of War got the story. That's what I cared about. Yeah. Like, I am all for cinematic experiences. I do not want them to be the dominant conversation in the industry. Agreed. Agreed. Uh, No, I I still want them because I feel like you can do things in that medium that just doesn't work. Like, it's... The interactivity of video game makes it a cinematic experience around you if you can get invested in it, and I think that's amazing. Mm-hmm. But if we ever lose what makes video games video games, that's going to be just sad. I don't want every game to be Last of Us. Well, I don't think we will, but I don't want that to be, you know, what the Oscars of video games are. Yes. I want that to be like, this is the art of video games. Because there's always going to be the generation that's going to go, but Pokemon, though, but couple of things that weren't mentioned uh the ff16 trailer looked great oh yeah well F- ff16 continues to look like ff14 but with a budget and controls it's yep. <laughs> a good way of putting it <laughs> not that ff14 doesn't have a budget but it's it's a little it shackled start with a budget it's, and it's it's an M- mmo it's like, a game th- th- from like 2014 that was a game from 2010 mm-hmm uh, and then uh, Crash Bandicoot. Oh, right. He he appeared and he crashed. And I'm like, yeah. yeah, Crash Bandicoot. Whoever was writing those jokes, I, I'm sorry, but like, go do another pass next time. Because so, some of those were bad. Oh, yes. But I'm I am perfectly happy with man in Crash Bandicoot suit being bad at everything. As someone who grew up with his terrible 90s commercials which includes such classic lines as booyah, grandma, booyah. Like, no, that was perfectly cognizant. And then um, having a Crash Bandicoot game that is a spinoff with the initials CTR. You have my attention. Playable female entropy. You have my attention even more. (laughs) Seems like a kind of like a 4v4 Overwatch, like combined with like the gathering aspects of Pokemon Unite. Is that yeah. what I'm getting from it? Yeah, it's like it's like a platformer mober. So Yeah. Which you know, I, I've never seen that happen before. I'm interested. Yeah. I'll try it. I, I'm intrigued. I can't think of a game that's particularly done competitive platforming well outside Not of Not on purpose. Like you get stuff like Roblox and Minecart Mine, yeah. Minecart Minecraft. L- like Fall Guys exists, of course, but <laughs> like not from a competition standpoint that isn't just survival. Mm-hmm. So very curious to see what they're going to do there. 
I would love to see that spark into something, because there's a lot of things you could do with an idea like that. Yeah. Awful trailer for it, but I'm very excited. Yes. <laughs> Can we just get Crash away from modern music, please? He's, he's a goofy cartoon man. He doesn't need it. <sighs> okay, and that's the end of the news? Indeed it is. All right. So, Donkey Kong is dead. Long live Donkey Kong, but what are you doing now? Uh, well, all the things I've been saying for, like, the last five episodes, I've been like, yeah, between the thing I'm working with Piron, I'll be working on this. Well, I'm, I'm, wor I'm able to work on those things now. Excellent. I can't, I can't really say anything new, because it's, it's, it's just the stuff I've said before. Got it. I think I'm, I've recorded 12 minutes of the Ridley video, I've edited eight, and I have the rest written out. Don't know if I'm going to finish it this month, probably next month, if not. Uh, oh, here's something I knew I could talk, I can talk about. I've been looking at that shorts tab on YouTube for ages, just having no idea how to use it. Mm -hmm. uh, I had an idea. I'm going to use it for highlights from peasants' perspective. Oh, nice. I know those are huge streams that not everybody can watch because, you know, nobody has three hours lying around. But there's good ideas from there, so I'm just going to do little minute highlights of being like, hey, look at this cool idea. Go look at it in the comments. Oh, very cool. Yeah. So that'll be fun. Yeah. So, like, ex extra incentive for peasants' perspective. If you're really good and it's, like, easy to present quickly... Mm -hmm. I'll I'll commission Mad Arts to do some artwork for a short. Very nice. Uh, what about you? What are you working on? Um, the next video you're going to see from me is basically an extension of what we've talked about here in previous podcasts, and that's going to be Snake in Smash Brothers. Um, as nice. much reach as we have here, I feel like I could present it on a more solid platform in the Designing for format, and I think Snake lends himself to that very, very well. All audio for that all scripting for that has been completed so it's just a matter of stringing it together and working with author man on that nice um after that uh, the next one in the pipeline for me is one on the Yu-Gi-Oh card exodia the forbidden one and you're like pure that's not video games and i'm like yes anyway <laughs> basically the idea of everyone knows what exodia is in concept just the idea of instant victory and how that is so instantly desirable that it brings out the worst in people and how that has reflected in not just the Yu-Gi-Oh trading card game, but in people's behavior toward the card game and in how the character has twisted others in the anime and manga, how all of this takes this very, very positive representation of power and finding all the pieces of a puzzle together and perverts it and twists it into something undesirable and how both narratively and in reality that comes together. I've been really excited to put this one together, so. Nice. Looking forward to it. Nice. Okay, that's it. Comments. Alright, so today... Hilariously, I think I saw like five people asking. Can you say that? So, what, what's your favorite burger, man? Alrighty. So, the thing about a burger that you have to understand is that no combination of ingredients are going to bring out a good burger unless the base of the burger is good. Like, there's always going to be levels of preference, but what you really need to start with your burger is a good meat that you enjoy. Uh, I find that Chuck is a good option. Um, 
If people have buffalo available, that's always a really solid option, a bit more gamey than others, but you get a really good flavor with it. You really want just a nice, chunky, hearty patty to start with. Uh, past that, I feel like you're eating a burger for the sensation of eating a burger. You don't need to dress it up too much. You just want that sensation of getting your mouth in there and getting all the meaty, juicy goodness to it. And, you know, that that's even possible with, like, a veggie patty or whatnot, or Beyond Meat and whatnot. They've made those really good recently. Uh, I like substituting it with a portobello mushroom at times. That tastes really nice. Flavor profile that I find goes best with a burger, usually, is the Mushroom Swiss Burger. Because that brings out the richness of it. It creates just this very, very savory meal. And if you're getting a burger, you want savory. Don't kid yourself, you want savory. And I feel that those flavors enhance it. You can add a little bit of garlic aioli to give you a little bit of a reprieve. And also give you just a little bit of a kick with it. So that would be my recommendation for if you are looking to have a great burger. And what is the judge of a great burger? A mushroom Swiss burger will be that judge. Past that, I think that adding caramelized onions on a burger is cheating and delicious. That was so much more than I was expecting. I've been thinking about this. <laughs> was that scripted or was that just straight off the dome? I no, that was know. off the dome, baby. Damn. Wow. I don't script a damn thing except my scripts. Uh, I'm, I'm just a basic bitch that likes bacon cheeseburgers. I'm sorry. Bacon cheeseburger is good. Don't be ba feel any shame about being basic. It's I, I don't feel I don't feel shame for that. I feel shame after not being able to like describe it in the same way as you just did with your. <laughs> well, I'm I'm very passionate about it. I can feel uh, that. Um, let's see. Of the common fast food chains, Carl's Jr. slash Hardee's is very good. However, I would say that there's like a 50-50, depending on your chef, if the burger is good or if the burger feels stale and old. Carl's Jr. slash Hardee's is one of the least consistent burger places that I have been to of the common ones. Wendy's will generally give you a better consistency to things, but I feel like their peaks are a lot less high. It's just a nice, good, consistent burger. I live in California, so I'm legally required to mention In-N-Out Burger. And because I am from California, I will tell you it is delicious, no matter how mid I find it. It is pretty mid. I I'm in Utah. We got it here. Yep. Animal fries are really good, though. They are. They are. And, and it's I really you go, cheap. You go there for the fries. Yeah. For the price, it is more than worth it. Like, best burger for that price, by far. Best burger? <sighs> My go-to is Red Robin. I really like Red Robins. Ooh, that's a good bowl. They have a hot dog place near here that has these huge thick patties that are done on four kings hawaiian rolls and anything done with that is just like mm, yes please indeed I, I feel like you asking that question just kind of just it puts something in the water and like we got a lot of just random weird ones which i i actually really appreciate These i'm all fun. for it yeah this is what i wanted someone's poisoned the water hole and it's me following up on that from Dete dimension detective uh, what is your favorite non-alcoholic drink? Please provide answer in the form of comparing the chosen drink to water. Bonus appreciation if you give an accurate and arguable description for how underrated, underappreciated water can be as a refreshing drink. Like, dude, not even. Like, at working in a steelyard, any, like, hard labor, water is the best thing in the world. Water feels incredible, especially after a jog or a run. Anything else that gums up the system. You just feel the stickiness and you need another drink from it. Water is the only thing that properly satisfies you. 
except Dasani, I will not accept a Dasani sponsorship. <laughs> I think for just other answer, though, I, I'm a Duke lore. I was a Starbucks barista for a few years. Ooh. So I, I, I was, I've um, experimented so much with like just different lattes and stuff. I think the best combination is blonde espresso with a mix of toffee nut flavor and white mocha. Toffee nut really with anything is just an amazing flavor enhancer, but white mocha especially, just, oh my god. No, it sounds like it would bring out a lot. I'm a wimp, and I can sense any amount of coffee in a drink, and the bitterness will go to my system. I don't know why I have a child's tongue, but I do. So whenever I go to Starbucks, I just, you know, very timidly go up to the counter. I go, excuse me, can I please get the mocha cookie crumble frappuccino? <laughs> and let me tell you, the mocha cookie crumble, that's really good. Yo, ask them to make it with white mocha and then put some toffee nut in it. It is unironically amazing. Oh. Oh, there's an idea. Usually I get their toasted white mocha if I want white chocolate, but that's... Oh, even better. Oh my Ooh, gosh. Yeah. Toasted white... It's only in the holidays, but like doing that with toffee nut and then doing it with half and half too. Mm -hmm. It's so unhealthy, but it, it's the best thing. Off topic, I'm a sucker for their sugar plum J-nishes. That's the best thing they have all year. I, I ate way too many of them working there, but, like, no, you're... At the start, I was with you. Mm-hmm. Uh, we got any other random ones? It was the holidays, so from Jack King 1900. Did you guys believe in Santa as a kid? Absolutely. As well, yes. Grew up in a grew up in a very religious household, so those kind of traditions were a huge part of my childhood. Like, I did, I did the Easter egg hunts, I did the... I did the, I did Santa Claus, where you get cast, stay in your rooms, otherwise he's gonna, you're gonna catch him. Did all the Thanksgiving dinners, all that good stuff. Yeah. Santa was sloppy with me. He would leave footprints all over, and I would see him and chase him back to the chimney. Not not Santa Claus himself. He's, he's very smart, very crafty, left well mm. beforehand. But um, would make him cookies, would leave carrots for the reindeer, be eaten almost entirely, except for like two carrots, because the reindeer retired and didn't want to eat any more carrots. See, that, that's weird. For me, there was like a... Santa had like an advanced team of elves for me that would always give us themed pajamas every single year. Like every single time, without fail. It's been it's been incredible. He, he, they still do it to this day. That actually is adorable. <laughs> yeah, Santa's so I, I, smart. As a 27-year-old, I just walk up the door and like, oh, there's a present. Okay, yeah. It's the elves. No, it's, it's entirely understood. Santa still somehow finds a way to give me a pack of Pokemon or Yu-Gi-Oh cards every year. Don't know how he can find it. The shortages are insane, but he manages. Excellent. Uh, let's get some actual gaming ones in here. This was, this was an interesting comment. From uh, Aideen Dravedevi. Aideen Dravedevi, I think. What's your opinion on franchises having a quote-unquote dark and edgy game? Is it a fun and memorable departure from the status quo or a stupid idea not worth considering? Yeah, it depends entirely on your franchise and what you consider to be dark and edgy, essentially. I agree. Like, I wouldn't consider Twilight Princess that, for example. Some people do. Right. But Shadow the Hedgehog? Oh, yeah. Oh, like, man, yes. When, when your brain latches onto stuff, it obviously goes to examples like Shadow the Hedgehog or Jack 2. Very large extremes for them. I, I think it depends on how hard you commit to it and how much it affects. Like, I, I, my brain's going to the... Uh, probably don't even remember this, the Xbox Bomberman game that looks super mature. Oh, yep. No, I remember that. When, when you're just trying to do it for the sake of doing it, no, get, get that out of here. But if you're kind of having fun with it, then yeah, I'm all down. Yeah. I love, I'd love to see a punished Mario game. That'd be hilarious. You could be as genuine as you want, or you can be as off the wall as you want. 
trying to think of series that went not necessarily darker, but in a more serious direction after a while. Uh, um, I, I guess. Oh, duh. Final Fantasy seven. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, that game is great and was a good decision. Yeah, it, it's less the dark and edginess itself. It's more just the the execution. Precisely. Like, I could even say that, oh, Banjo-Tooie is comparatively dark and edgy to Banjo-Kazooie. And you're like, you'd be like, I don't believe that. And I go, it starts with murder and they get revenge. Like, it's all about tonality and presentation. Indeed. Uh, this wasn't a fun one. Uh, from that two guy... Do either of you have a favorite speedrun for spectating? If so, then which one for and for what game? I mean, I've fallen off of watching them consistently. Like, I, I don't really watch GDQ anymore. Used to, but not anymore. Yeah, exactly. I don't want to just have the basic answer of the games that I really like and would consider speedrunning, such as Crash Team Racing or the Donkey Kong Country series. But I also don't want to give the common speedrun answers like Super Mario Sunshine and Yu-Gi-Oh! Forbidden Memories? I mean, I hate to do it because it's the most basic answer of them all, but I love Super Metroid races, man. They're so fun to watch. Just making it into a competition, just how much is usually staked on them. That's partially just how HDQ handles it, to be fair. Yeah, no, Super but Metroid is... Constant, oh, save the animals versus that. that that's, that's just fun. Yeah, it's been presented in such a way to make it excellent. Mario 64, very similarly, is always a good time. I, I will say the ones I always found the most interesting are like RPGs where you're just intensely underleveled and finding weird quirks of how the systems work to get through things you should not be able to otherwise with your given stats. I agree, unless you have to do something repeatedly for like 30 minutes. Yes. In the middle of it. Um... As long as Zallard 1 keeps doing blindfolded runs, I will always love punch-out runs. Uh, having a traditional um, uh, Make a Man Out of You song during Kingdom Hearts 2. Yes. Of skin, everyone <laughs> to sing that. That's yes. my favorite. That is that is that is amazing. That is a good one. Uh, I, I just like games where I do love 3D platformers for them specifically just because the way that you're able to interact with physics most of the time is fascinating. Like, I don't actually love Banjo-Kazooie that much as a speed game, but I love Spyro and I love Donkey Kong 64. Mm, yeah. Because there's always a moment where, like, your speed exceeds your ability to move around, and then you just go. And you see them do something, you're like, oh, oh, I guess we're here now. But Banjo is too perfectly made. I've also had some fun with, um, uh, I had it for a second. Oh, yeah, I was looking at my Amiibo Fire Emblem, because of how they just... Focus Ooh, on a yeah. handful of units and just kind of sacrifice the rest. It's always funny just to see, like, okay, what what is what have they deemed to be the good stuff? What levels do they need to hit? Is this good enough? Is this bad enough? That's speedruns that you kind of have to react on the fly to what you get. I find it to be some of the more interesting ones. I like the ones that you're curious on that, and it's not just like, oh yeah, of course it's har. Ooh, and um, I saw some great one. Not exactly the whole game, but specific levels of like Starcraft. When you see times of, like, one minute on one of the hardest levels in the game, and you're just wondering, how the hell did you do that? Mm, yeah. It's like using units to bait other units and try to just finish as quickly as possible. That's always great. For your favorite games, do you prefer uh, aisle runs or full game runs? Uh, the individual level. Uh, just It depends. Like, I wouldn't want to see, like, a full game run of, like, Pokemon or... But there's a handful that I w I'd want, like, full completion... Like, I, like, if you're doing, like, a Super Metroid run, I can't stand it when they just go to the first boss and stop. That, that's not very engaging to me, because I know you can get much further than that. Yeah. 
But if you're, there's something silly, like what was the Scott Falco one? Get get laid by Pura in Breath of the Wild or something like that. <laughs> That's funny. More of that. Alrighty. Yes. Uh, let's see. Uh, one from one from Dixo. Curious to see what you think about this. What games would you like to see get a 99 version, like Tetris 99, Pac-Man 99, the Bomberman one has a different name number. I think I'm 16 with that one. Or the Mario game that doesn't exist anymore and Nintendo would like to remind you it never existed in the first place. Checkerboard Chase 100. Oh my god. <laughs> oh, if you set that up like the, um, you know the Fall Guys minigame where you're constantly falling through layers? Yes, yes. you're just Hector. trying to stay as yeah. high as you can? Oh, that would be so good. Uh, can I even think of something that I'd like more than that? I don't know if I... Ah, uh, uh, gosh, my brain is like, oh yes, I'd love a hundred man Royal Rumble, but that already exists in the form of Rumbleverse, which I still need to play. You know how the Link's Awakening, like the the remake, had the Dungeon Maker? Yeah, yeah, the undercooked. One. I would love to see a ninety nine version where it takes that everyone builds like a part of a dungeon. It's all stitched together with a few random elements, and everyone has to try to make their way to the end. Oh, that'd be fun. Just kind of group level design like that. Kind of how, like, the, the Mario Maker um, courses worked, where you just take random levels and put them in a world. Donkey Kong <laughs> Jr. math, but it's a race. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. That, how would that even work with 100 people? You, it, it would just be just traffic jams everywhere. Well, you just make them intangible, but they still can steal numbers. This is less of a 99 game and more of just a... Pokemon doesn't have proper online, but how is there not, like, a proper big tournament in a Pokemon game where everyone competes to be a champion in a league? Well, how is there not a lot in Pokemon? <laughs> Fair. Just F-Zero with 99 racers would be fun. Oh, a 99 racer death race would be incredible. Just does not stop until one person is alive. Now, honestly, I think most games have some way of making that work. It's just a matter of... Because with the 99 format, you really want, like, inherent simplicity. Mm -hmm. Like, an F-Zero Death Race isn't really more of just 99. It's just, like, have a modern F-Zero game, for God's sake. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm trying to think of a... I, I feel like there's just a a zinger answer that would just be like, oh, yes, that one. Well, yeah, it's Checkerboard Chase. <laughs> you know, yeah, let's just, let's, let's just go with that. End with that. Nothing we come up with is going to make me happier than that. I did it in one. You're welcome. I did it for all of you. I like least favorite questions because they make you think different ways. Yeah. From Shock Stop Wave, what are your least favorite villains or enemies in video games? It's interesting because there's also the ways of what is the person that I hate the most but has successfully given me the feeling of hatred? Or like what makes you disappointed? Yes. I think le least favorite suggests it is the latter. I would too, but I came up with the answer for the former first, so uh, the final villain of Yakuza Like a Dragon. I hate that man. I hate him more than anything else in the world. Also, Eric Sparrow from Tony Hawk Underground. I hate that man. I hate him so much. The worst fictional human being. It's hard for just least favorite villains, because usually I'm just so underwhelmed with them. That oh, wait, no. Let me look it up just so I say the right character. Yep, that's it. The Black Knight from Sly Cooper 4. Why is that? I've never heard of him. Ah, because it ruins character development, and I can't tell you why without spoiling it. That's fair. But it's actively infuriating and ruins my entire enjoyment of that game. Which wasn't great, but was okay up to that point. 
But that point, no. That's retreading. It's entirely because of that character being a villain. Mm. That is unfortunate. I, 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 I think those are the worst kind of villains that actively damage other aspects. Like, my, mine was easy to come with. Mine is Amon from StarCraft II. Because mm. not only is he just the most boring-ass, just copy-paste of the Burning Legion that's ever existed, his existence ruins the villains of the past two games. The Overmind wasn't a bad guy. He was being controlled by Amon. Kerrigan's not, Kerrigan's not a villain. She's being controlled by Amon. Oh. Except when she is a villain. Oh, but she also yep. is not a villain. She's like 20 different characters in this game. And that's just... God damn it. <sighs> it's just a world ending. Oh, I want to destroy everything and make it perfect. And it's just... Going from Kerrigan being just a... Oh, I've been controlled my whole life. And now I have freedom and ultimate power. And I like this. To just generic ass Amon, that was that yeah, that me. I that completely that. ruins an arc. Oh right, big obvious one for me: uh, the Arkham Knight from Batman Arkham Knight, because the entire thing is a mystery of who is the Arkham Knight, who could it possibly be, and everyone who has ever read a single comic being is it Jason Todd? And they're like, no, it's not Jason Todd. Is it Jason Todd? No. Is it Jason Todd? Okay, yes. And then they always write that as if just like, oh no, we didn't want to, we didn't want to alienate audiences that haven't seen it. Well, then just write it better so both audiences are happy. Also, every single boss in Batman: Arkham Asylum, like the characters aren't bad, but actively game ruining how bad those bosses are. Oh yeah, if we're going like enemies and like gameplay wise. Well, they said enemies in the question, so I just wanted to cover all bases. It, it, it went back to like for me, actual hated, hated. Like, enemies I hate dealing with, but, like, Twitchers and Dead Space are the scariest fucking things I've ever seen. Okay, that's fair. Just, oh my god, the way they, it, they've got, they had, like, the the slow down time thing backfire in their, in their suits, like, military people. So they just move all jittery and rush you way faster than any living thing should be able to, and it's just the worst. You know, I actually hated, I hated the, the Dead Space villains, but the Dead Space had some good villains. Like, actually hated right. characters. They know they know how to make an awful human mm-hmm. being. God, it's hard to say because I'm like I'm thinking like oh I'm super disappointed in say Bioshock and Bioshock Two and Bioshock Infinite, but I don't really hate their villains. I'm just disappointed with how they ended up being used. I, someone in the comments is gonna be like, "Well, what about Frederick? You made a video about Frederick." Like I don't. Hate yeah, him. I I don't hate Frederick. He's just he's just nothing. Like I don't mean a lot of people take that video to say that he's awful. I like no. He's just mid, and I want more. And everything that isn't mid was taken from someone else, and not nothing was done with it. Oh, gameplay-wise, there's a boss in the first Xenoblade that I can't remember her name. She, she like, had a weird, like, I can't remember if it was poison or spike gimmick that you had to build specifically around, or you would just kill yourself, and you didn't, if you didn't have the right gems, it was just an agony to get mm. around it. You'll pay for your incidents with something she'd say over and over and over and over and over again throughout her entire fight. It's just annoying and not fun, and she's obnoxious. Okay, good. I went, I went through every Sonic the Hedgehog villain in my head, and I don't hate any of them. I thought I would find one, but I don't actually hate them. Not even Zavok. Took me like seven seconds there to remember what the heck a Zavok even was. Demise was lame. Yeah, but he was just lame. That was a ba- that was a bad payoff for how amazing Kirby yeah. was. 
that looked yeah like i was thinking like oh what they did story-wise with xant in twilight princess was the biggest deflating balloon but boss was fine i guess presentation up to then was great like the blights in breath of the wild are all horribly disappointing as boss fights but like they're fine I was trying to think of enemies that make me like angry my brain keeps bopping back to Elden Ring, but like that's yeah, the point no, of the it's, games. It's, I don't really it's frustration. That, that that's the good frustration. I'm looking for the this doesn't work frustration. Uh anytime that Silent Hill brings back Pyramid Head outside of Silent Hill 2, they're incorrect to do so. It just that's part of the story. Like, come on. Like I guess I want to say like general scales from Star Fox Adventures, but that's just because it's funny. <laughs> yeah i don't want to end without like a big zinger answer but yeah exactly I, i'm i'm sure there's plenty but like your brain automatically edits that right? stuff out guilty spark 343 was one of the lamest final bosses in mm. like ever uh which world of warcraft villain ruined world of warcraft I, I I vote for them. Uh, oh gosh, there's you see, there's different levels of ruining. I don't know. Is it, is it like fucking Garrosh or whatever his name is? Garrosh was Pandaria. I don't think it was that bad of a character though. But that was when it started going down. Sylvanas was awful. Oh, I hate how they handled her character so much. I'm a villain now. I'm a I'm a good guy now. I'm a villain actually, but I'm also good. I'm going to redeem despite committing genocide. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. Oh, gameplay-wise, original Legend of Zelda, like-likes are awful. Yes. That is the... How how dare you? No, that's true. Any, any enemy like that that, like, heavily sets back your progress like that, that's the most annoying thing ever. Yes. I throw out one more gameplay one. The Kezu in Monster Hunter is an abomination of a character. Of a monster... For a game that's so big on audio cues, to just remove the music and throw it away is like, oh, it's blind, so it doesn't see you, so the music never starts, even though there's other blind monsters in the game. Oh, gosh. And it also just looks like a walking penis, and it's, it's just the most hideous thing I've ever seen. And this, it always screams, and it stuns your character every time it does, and your weapons always bounce off its hide at the level it's at. Yeah, no, Kezu's my answer. I hate the Kezu. Okay, the Kezu's that's fine. I'll double down on Black Knight from Sly 4, or... Oh, I guess Titan Joker from Arkham Asylum. Alrighty. And I think we can call it there. I think so. I don't think the brain will work any further than that. <laughs> Thank you all very much for watching this, both on YouTube and Spotify, if you're one of the 24 people that watches it there. We see you, and we appreciate you. Thank you, the powerful 24. Uh, please leave a comment with the hashtag DDG comment if you want us to talk about them. Uh, please more of the weird stuff. That's fun. Yeah, I'm all for it. Like, I appreciate that you guys want to be classy and stuff, but like, I don't know. They ask me what I'd be if I were a Pokemon villain or some shit. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> what Pokemon yeah, you, do you I think tastes the best? You have full range. to just ask whatever. Like, go for it. Please don't ask me what Kirby's feet smell like. I don't want to answer <laughs> that question. See, now they're going to, though. I will ignore those ones because I thought of that. They probably smell like cotton candy. Free answer for you. <laughs> All right. Yeah, we'll probably do these like 
half guide and half other episodes whenever we just don't have games to bring. Yeah. So yeah, now we can do both moving forward. Huzzah, we fixed that problem. Yeah, enjoy looking forward to it consistently, probably. I don't know. Maybe. At least once a year. Yeah. Right, and uh, with that, I shall see you all later. Yep. See you for the uh, January, half January episode, I guess. Yep, thank you. We'll get the February one out faster. Adios, friendos.